Underoos! Nice job, kid. Thanks. Well, I could have stuck the landing a little better. It's just a new suit. Wait, it's nothing. Mr. Stark, it's, it's perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we don't really it's... need to start a conversation. Okay. Cap, Captain? Big fan of Spider-Man? Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Just... Hey, everyone. Good job. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. <laughs> I got a lot of notes for this one. Got a lot to say. A lot of notes. A lot of notes. I mean, it's a big movie. It's Captain America Civil War. This is a big one. This is a big one. This is one of my favorite MCU movies. I uh, was super hyped for it before it came out. Super stoked when I saw it in theaters. Still love it. I've seen this movie a lot of times. But I gotta say, this movie is a slow burn for me. How so? I thought it was a good movie when we saw it, but I really didn't like them fighting. I still don't. Um, so because of that, though, it made me not really want to watch this movie. And now the more I've seen it, the more I really enjoy it. And I enjoy how much it sets up for other stuff. Um, even like kind of inadvertently, it was setting stuff up for like Wanda, for instance. Like I have a lot of thoughts on that. I think you could tell that the writers like went back to the well on this, which if you had asked me that before we watched this, I would have been like, they probably don't use much of the Wanda in this. No, I think this is super important. To yeah, but character. would you have guessed that? I don't know. I didn't think. I mean, I know her being at feeling at fault is one thing, but more like even beyond that, I guess. No, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get into, into it. it. There's so many different things to discuss. And I just want to say that, like, this can be perceived as an Avengers 2.5 because, of course, almost everybody is here except for Thor and Banner. This is and, Avengers 2. Get rid of but, Age of Ultron. But it does such a good job of, like, still being a Captain America movie. And I think there was, like, some criticism leveled at it because Tony Stark plays such a huge role in the movie, uh, bigger than originally intended, I think. But, like, at the end of the day, this movie still does such a good job of, like, focusing on, like, what makes... Steve, Steve, and, like, like what, like, really him being, like, his own person and not just a pawn of the government, which is something that we have revisited again since in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I think this is the first time that we've watched this since we saw that series yeah. last year, and that gives so much more additional context on, like, where the world of superheroes has gone uh, as a result of what happens in this movie. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I will say this feels more like... Captain America Winter Soldier because this is more about Bucky than I feel like Winter Soldier was. Well, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, like Bucky's not really himself there now. It's this is the the recovery phase of well, like who he is. kind of recovery, but also like still seeing him reckon like he gets turned back into Winter Soldier. It's about his acts that he did while he was the Winter Soldier. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very much a Bucky movie as much as it is a Tony or obviously Steve. Definitely. Because I think what I, what I just saw on IMDb was that I think this movie went through a lot of different um, like phases when it was being created. Um, the original plan for a third Captain America movie was not Civil War at all. And it was going to be like a lot of the Stephen Bucky stuff, of course, because that's where we left off in Winter Soldier. Um, I it's think what the people want. Yeah. I think the original plan 
might have been more about the um, like infectious disease thing that Crossbones was doing and stuff like that, like a like a global like terror incident. What, which, so what they did end up doing for the TV show? Yeah, I think so. Um, and like it went through so many different changes with Tony not being originally in it. And then they wanted to bring Tony in for a small part, but Robert Downey Jr. was like, no, if you're going to bring me in, I want a big part. That's really interesting. I'm surprised that this movie turned out so well with all of those kind of like rewrites or like reimagining, because I feel like typically when that happens, you can tell like that, oh man, they've, this movie's gone through quite a few scripts, kind of like with some of the criticism with uh, the new Doctor Strange movie. Right. Yeah, you can tell. But um, I mean, yeah, definitely they had to juggle that. And then they juggled the whole Spider-Man thing, which they were writing like versions of the movie when they weren't even sure that they would be able to use Spider-Man. And that version had, uh, well, so originally it was like, okay, we got Spider-Man now. They wrote it really well with him. Like he could literally drop in, drop out. Right. Well, the cool thing was like, this was always written to be the Spider-Man intro if they had the rights. And then it, it was kind of cast in doubt whether they would have, like, be able to use him. So they started beefing up Black Panther's part. T'Challa mm. was going to be a small part because they knew his movie was coming up. So he's going to be there. They weren't even going to have him be Black Panther. Just, like, introduce him as, like, Prince T'Challa. Right. Yeah. And so they started beefing up his part to account for not having Spider-Man. But then they got Spider-Man. But they were, like, at this point, like... T'Challa is so crucial to this movie that they cut Spider-Man's part down and oh, that's kind of funny. the Black Panther stuff. <laughs> I think they made the right choice overall. Oh, yeah. But it would have been really cool going into Black Panther not having seen him be Black Panther in this. For sure. Like, that would have been a cool, like, kind of reveal, although, like, obviously we would have known it was coming, but Yeah, still. you know, I don't know how they would have handled it. And, uh, like, you know, we love Black Panther. Like, Black Panther is a great movie. But at the same time, T'Challa in this movie is, like, a different beast because, like, and he says so much. like Literally. He's, yeah. Like, yeah, seriously. <laughs> and he, he says, like, you know, because he's, like, consumed by vengeance and obviously he's, like, a, he's not doing that anymore in his own movie. But, like, he is so fucking cool. In this, yeah, and he's some, supposed to be more immature, right. but he's still like way more mature than the rest of them. And some people were honestly disappointed with like his depiction in Black Panther because it like he's so he's evolved. more of a person too, and he's like, but in this he's just so like he's dead set on one thing, and he's just he's so fucking cool. Like he's dead set on it, but he, he doesn't act like Tony. No, like, he's he still doesn't. very logical and together. Yeah, he's just so cool, and I mean the the costume for him in this movie is by far, like, my favorite. I mean, the Black Panther suit only went through so many evolutions. Um, but, man, it looks so cool. And in the trailers for this, like, they only showed, like, like one or two, like, quick frames of him, and that was enough to get people, like, so, like, whipped up in excitement about him, which I just, I remember that very fondly. Um, great. Well, let's, um, let's get into it. Um a one quick like alt rename. So it could have been just Captain America Winter Soldier 2, but it also could have been called Captain Abroad. <laughs> because he's not really in America very much. They're in so many places, so many locales in this they movie. They are doing so much traveling. They are so jet lagged. But I do like the font each time they're in a new location. Like, I think that looks really nice. Very bold choice, but like super yeah. cool. And, uh, yeah. Is this Russo's? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
This is the uh, yeah the second Russo's movie. Uh, obviously, we got we got a community cameo in here and an Arrested Development Easter egg uh, because they worked on that too. Uh, well, I knew the dean was in it, and he is playing a dean. I yeah. think so. That's funny. And there's a uh, um, a Bluth uh, stair truck, like the one from Arrested Development in the airport oh, scene, I didn't somewhere in the background. That. I didn't. I've never picked up on it in the movie. I know it's there. Um, this has one of my favorite Marvel Studio fanfares. It's different. I don't know if that's like considered the Civil War theme or something, but I'm just a big fan. I think it totally fits the vibe of the movie. Um, I know that like coming off of uh, Ant-Man having like the, the song that they used in Ant-Man also was very much its own vibe. Cause this is the point they, they're now moving away from the, I like, I I've, read a lot about the fanfare that they used and the history of it. Uh, and I think it's very interesting that the one that they'd been using, not in Ant-Man, but for several of the ones prior, was actually the theme of Thor the Dark World. And then they kind <laughs> the of The only just, thing to stay out of that. Well, yeah, like for a bit, because they picked that up. They used it in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I don't even know if they used it in Age of Ultron. And then in Doctor Strange, they start using the new one, which they're still using now. And they just... Uh, we haven't even gotten to the point where they're like including scenes from the movies yet. And that seems like kind of like a stepping stone from like right now it's still like comic book pages. And we've gone from that to like, here's we can pull from 10 years of movies and shows now for new stuff. So I, I find that interesting. I've never really noticed it. I'm sorry to say it's fine, but like I've been paying attention to like the Miss Marvel one because at the time that we are recording this, we've seen one episode of Ms. Marvel. Like they've, so good, y'all. Watch it. it well, <laughs> this, I would hope that by now you know it's a bit more established. They got Moon Knight in the intro now. I just think it's so cool how they're like, oh, keeping I up didn't with it. notice that. Yeah. Do they still have it in Dina and... Uh... Black Panther? Yeah. Um, I think so. But in it, the Doctor Strange one, something changed. Something was different in that, so I don't know. I do sometimes pay attention to that. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> the last shot at least, but... Just a little aside. Um, so this movie starts with a flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, 1991. And it's about Bucky doing a mission. And so it obviously connects later on to uh, Tony's parents. Um, and I, the first time watching, and even maybe the second time, I forgot like how this connected. And I think it's done so well because we also get the flashback of Tony, well, not really a flashback, but his, like, uh, what does he say? Like, Barf. Yeah, but his, like, $6 million therapy project yeah. or whatever. Um, and that's, like, those scenes obviously connect, but we don't know that. Like, right. Was that a surprise to you, or were you kind of thinking that it was going to connect because it's, like, Civil War? Oh, I had no idea. I mean, because, like, I had read the Civil War comic, like, before this was even, like, I didn't even know Civil War was going to happen. It was just a popular comic, and people don't even like it that much. But yeah, it was one of the ones. Nobody wants to see our friends fighting each other. That is also that is true. But also, it was because the comic did a lot of like really bad things to the characters, like out of character stuff. It was it was a mess. There's like a ro- There's a fake robot Thor that kills uh, Colossus. They could have used a fake robot Thor. I bet they considered it at one point, but I think it's good that they didn't. Um, it's just the, the they comic. They should have had like a paper cut out of him at one point. I mean, like here, that would, be, here too. <laughs> that would be good. Um, like there were things from the, uh, Civil War comic that I really liked and that they ended up adapting in some bits and pieces. 
but so th- like there's there's one scene that I really like where it's the same thing like Captain America is kind of like running like against the government and Tony and Reed Richards is on Tony's side being a dick. Um, that checks out. And at one point they start like recruiting like super villains start showing up to Captain America because they're like, hey man, like we'd love to we take don't, down. We it. have our differences, but like we're on your side. Uh, Cap would never side with them. Well, and at one point, my like one of my favorite scenes from that comic is the Punisher is there when these guys walk in and he just like kills them, like five of them. He just like mows them down. And Captain America. That's just, the most accurate thing. And Captain America beats the shit out of the Punisher for it, and he was like. Because, of course, Cap doesn't want the Punisher killing anybody. And uh, they just had a great character moment that makes me wish the Punisher was in this because Captain America is beating up the Punisher and he's like, fight back, you coward. And the Punisher's like, not against you. He's like, I respect you too much. Oh, man. And, you know, the rest of the thing is whatever. But I had basically all to say, I had no inclination that Bucky would be part of, like, the the conflict. Yeah, because we see the same clip three times the first two it's from Bucky's perspective and the third time you get the whole scenario or not not from Bucky's perspective but you only see the Bucky side of it um getting the serum yeah um and both first and second time I mean we also don't know when the Starks died and like we aren't really thinking about them other than that like clue at the beginning with um Tony so I think it's just done really well that that's like such a big like we are feeling what Tony's feeling because he's like, wait, I know this. And we're like, wait, we've seen this too before. And also like there's a bit of a breadcrumb drop in the Winter Soldier when we're getting all of like um, the the background on like what Hydra has been doing the whole time that they've been embedded in S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's like when Steve kind of like figures this out. And like for us as the viewer, it's like flashes of information, but it is stuff about how the winter soldier was used to like change history. And there is like a headline in that, that um, I just forgot the name of the guy that's like transferred his consciousness to the computer. It's him. Oh yeah. Doing this exposition dump. And Ro- there's a for uh, something German sounding. All of or I don't think whatever. Uh, but there's like a headline about the Starks dying. And I think that's like some people picked up on that. I had no idea. But, like, after this movie came out, people were like, yeah, that's kind of like a reveal or at least a hint that Hydra was directly involved in their deaths. I didn't remember that. Is that how Cap is supposed to know about it? I think so. Because I had that note much later where Tony's like, did you know? And he's like, yeah, I basically did. And I think that doesn't, I didn't think that made sense. I was wondering the same thing. And that's, like, the general consensus that I've seen is that that information was basically, or he had connected the dots. I don't like that Cap knows. I think, I, I mean, it's fine. And I think they needed more support for Tony, for Tony to be upset because it, I think most people are on Cap's side for most of it. Yes. And like they needed to give Tony something. Agreed. Uh, the guy's name was Zola, by the way. Zola. So you were close. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, there's like vowels. Like, it's like Oslo. Okay. So, yeah, I'm kind of wondering if it was a, a later change because maybe they had him like have a sneaking suspicion, but not like have it confirmed. But him holding on to that, I think, was definitely like, let's let's make Cap a bit more flawed in this scenario. Yeah, I don't even know if it was like a late change, especially since it seems like they did kind of set it up maybe inadvertently in the that movie um, 
Which movie was that? Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, yeah. Because yeah. um, I think, well, I guess they didn't have a plan. I was going to say, I guess they like knew what they were doing Winter Soldier, but maybe they didn't. Right, I mean, if Tony wasn't like as big of a part, then I don't know what it, what that plot thread would have done. I mean, Bucky killing his parents makes perfect sense. Yes. Um, and I do wonder if that's in like some iteration of the comics, but probably. Um, I uh, do you think that Joss? I'm gonna switch gears a bit. Do you think that Joss Whedon like watched this movie? I think Joss Whedon probably did watch it. I think he should take notes on how they do quips and comedy because I think it's done perfectly in this movie. Like I was laughing out loud multiple times. A lot of um, Natasha's lines are yeah. really funny. Like my favorite line, I think, from most movies is <laughs> somebody. Uh, I think Sam's like, has anyone ever told you you're paranoid? And she's like, no, why? Did you hear something? And I just think it's such a funny line. And that, I mean, that whole bit of them like talking and like just being like all, we're all friends. We all work together on our mission. Yeah. It's sweet. No, Marcus and McFeely, <laughs> the guys that were on this, like definitely have a good grasp of like how to do these, the, the classic like Marvel quips, quote unquote, but in character. And, like, even then, like, there are a bit that I could do without in the movie. In this one? Yeah. Like, like there's what? just a little bit, you know, like, I didn't I didn't love, like, when uh, Bucky, Winter Soldier Bucky's, like, choking out Natasha. And she's like, you could have at least recognized me. Like, because that was, like, a very, like, like, Bucky, like, going on the warpath moment. I'm like, we didn't need a... We need a joke in there. But that's that But I do think that's in line with Natasha characters specifically. Because yeah. she's always making jokes when she's, like in the throes of battle because she's never that scared. Yeah. Like, I get it. But, like, sometimes I'm just, like... But definitely, like, nothing in this movie, like, rubbed me the wrong way like some of the stuff in Age of Ultron did. And, like, her banter with, like, Black Panther's really good. Yeah. Like, all of that. I just... I, especially... I think she's written really well in this she movie. Is. She is. She has a really good role in this. Um, and then I, I... When we talked about her movie, Black Widow, and how they decided to do it after this movie, like it take place, you know, we talked about that a lot and how like it should have come a lot sooner, but actually watching this again, I was like, Oh, I actually really like that. They chose this time to do it because there was a lot of, um, conversation centered around her at, at this movie. So it, it did kind of, I was like, Oh, I do wonder what she ended up doing. After yeah. This. So yeah. I think that worked. Um, there were so many theories going around about Brock Rumlow and Crossbones in this movie because people knew that he was coming back. Is that the same person? Um, yeah. Rumlow. Well, yeah, Frank Grillo's character, that was the one with the scar, the face fucked up. Yeah. They never the call elevator. him that, but his comic supervillain name is Crossbones. And my understanding is that in some comic post-Civil War, maybe like a like an epilogue of Civil War, he kills Captain America or is at least complicit in part of the plot that ends up killing Captain America. I think Sharon, a brainwashed Sharon Carter is there. It's very stupid. But there were a lot of people that were like, oh, like, is Steve Rogers going to get killed in this movie? And I was always adamantly in the camp of like, we know that they're doing an Avengers Infinity War at the time, part one and part two. So no, it would be incredibly stupid to kill Captain America before like the, that has like reached its arc. And some people really thought it was going to happen. I think they could have done Infinity War without Cap. It would have been a shame, though. No, I mean, I'm glad he was there. And, and his part in Endgame is, like, so sad and significant um, at the beginning. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I think they could have done it, though. And it would have been even more like, we got to come together for Steve. Right. Like, you know, they could have really rallied around him. Right. Yeah, I just... I, there were some people that were disappointed that they killed him, but, like, and I know that I think Frank Grillo was, too. Obviously, he wants to keep being in Marvel movies. But um, maybe he would have had a bigger part if it wasn't, like, the Civil War plotline. Like, he could have been, like, a more... Uh, like long-running villain for the movie, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I like that we get a scene of them, you know, kind of doing their group project working together, but it it doesn't, like, this plot with the biohazard doesn't seem like it fits with the rest of the movie. I'm like, why are the Avengers even here? Like, why are they the ones dealing with this? I think it's just because it's Rumlow. Because yeah. he has a vendetta against them, I guess, so... But yeah, I and it's like shield adjacent. They're like, we still got it. We're still cleaning up the whole Hydra mess. Right, it's all connected maybe? to the Winter know. Soldier stuff. But I, I love the the opening scene in the Lagos because, again, it is very rare that we get to see a functional Avengers team actually working together. And we see it once at the beginning of Age of Ultron, and we see it now. And then, you know, unless it's in the throes of the... Like a big uh, battle. The looming apocalypse of Thanos, then it doesn't really happen too much. And you love to see it. Everyone's working well. Yeah, they are. And some of them are incognito. They're, like, got their spy stuff on. And then Cap is just... Only has the one outfit, I guess. He's not fully suited up. He's not He's not fighting. I just, I feel like we could have gone with a, a dress down look. He has a stealth suit from Winter Soldier. Why not just use but that? But it's still like Captain America. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. I mean, later on, we get to see him in his uh, undercover gear. Right. Baseball hat, sunglasses, t-shirt. t-shirt. Yeah. Which I saw that he has to film all of his scenes in t-shirts at the beginning of shooting before he, like, starts to lose his muscle mass. They buy him T-shirts that are, like, a size or two too small on purpose, which I think is very funny. What do you mean he, he loses his muscle like, mass? Like, he says that, like, so he, he gets, like, all jacked to, like, start doing the movies, but they have to do the stuff where he's, like, showing his muscles as soon as possible because he's, like, as soon as I start doing, like, fight scenes He's, like, I'm, losing weight. Yeah, so they have to, like, get that all out of the way. That's really So, like, really the thing funny. was, like, the helicopter, that was a huge deal for them to do. Uh, that was like one of the first he things they had good. to do. He looked really they, good. There was a lot of IMDb trivia about that scene in particular. He was like holding on to a crane on set. Like that was all like real, which is. And uh, Chris Evans was like, this is like completely impractical, like as a way to like stop something from moving. But hey, like had to do it. Yeah, I feel like he should have just like jumped and like pulled it down. Yeah, but it. not as cool. Um. Well, I, that kind of just makes me think about another note I had in general I think that this movie was done a lot more practically at least the first half three quarters um than most other Marvel movies like I think they did it looked like they did more practical stunts less CGI like we have a couple car chasings that look iffy but like this is still them this is to and I'm not trying to rag on Black Widow or any other movie but because we just talked about Black Widow kind of being like a follow-up to the to Natasha's plot here, this is like the scope that I think that movie should have been kept to because this was like very much in line for someone with like a physical power set and it all like looks good still. Yeah, yeah like a few things are a little rough, but there's also like, I'll, I'll mention it when we get to that scene, but there's one stunt scene that was done completely practically and it is insane seeing like the stunt work that went into it. 
Also, I think Scarlett Johansson is like capable of doing a lot of her own stunts. Like I know they obviously use a stunt double, but like she's like learned how to fight because of that character. Yeah. Like she can do chore- choreography and stuff. Yeah. But she does have the uh, coolest named stunt double in Hollywood, Heidi Moneymaker. Oh, yeah. Well, Just, that was I, on. Sounds the, like a Bond villain. Like the behind the scenes. Yeah. Right, they showed her. I think so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What is that um, called? Like, um, um, like assembled or whatever. Yeah. They call it. Avengers yeah. Assembled. Yeah. So she's really cool. Um, but yeah, everyone gets like a, a moment to shine in this first scene. Um, Sam's obviously doing his thing. He's got Red Wing there. Uh, Red Wing in the comics, of course, is an actual bird that he can communicate with. So what? That's they should do that. It's an actual falcon that he has like a I hope telepathic that's link with. What they replace the falcon uh, in the Falcon TV show? God, that'd be fucking crazy. I that's the only bits I don't like, and they really doubled down on it in his TV show. And I'm like, okay, we get it. Like, I mean, Red Wing, Red Wing gets blown up in like the second episode of the show yes but there's so many like bits around it and there was bits in, in it it's true they really this. they do really love it they milked it um but whatever i also really like getting to see i loved watching wanda in this like after you know we've had a lot of wanda with wanda vision and dr strange. strange so getting to see her in this was really cool kind of we're working backwards almost um but she like moves the gas up yeah. and like that's wild. Yeah, it's it's awesome I mean, seeing her like use those powers in in battle. Obviously, we see her go like ape shit with her powers in Doctor Strange, but like just her getting to do stuff. This, in this is practical is still, use. You know, yeah, we're not practical. murdering wizards here. I also think her CGI has always held up really well. Like yeah, how they've it's, done it. It's pretty simple. Yeah, which is good. They didn't go too hard with it. Um. Also, so we get to the uh, the six the whatever million dollar therapy scene. And oh wait, I have. Oh, you got something else? A couple more notes about. Cool. Yeah, let's the, do it. Let's do it. August. The first fight. Yeah. Well, we were talking about Rumlow already, but I think he has misplaced anger because he's like blaming Cap for why he looks so messed up. But like, do we all remember the the elevator scene where Rumlow attacked Cap or tried to and failed? Rum, do you remember that? You know, he said... Who it, started it? He said it wasn't personal, and I'm kind of starting to think that to him it really wasn't. It's feeling personal. He doesn't. he doesn't understand. He really doesn't understand what he did wrong. Okay, so... But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, who else is he going to blame? Hydra. Nah, that, that would take What's too much name? self. Um, Redford. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just feel so bad for Wanda because she's like doing such a good job and she's like saved Cap's life and tries to get Rumlow, who is like literally about to do a suicide mission. And then she gets blamed. And I'm like, well, what do you think would have happened if she wasn't there and he did that suicide mission? Like more people would have died, including like those 11 Wakandans because yeah. it was like right there. Like I that just, would have been a huge blast. It's so frustrating, but like it's so realistic. Like it was like an opportunity for like just like some political action to be taken against the Avengers, which is clearly something that like Ross and other countries have been wanting to do. I think it's been like simmering since they started like taking action, especially outside the United States. Even in the Avengers, it was starting to become a problem. Right. So, but and like, it's so, it's, it feels very realistic that it's like, they're putting all this blame, but it's like, 
the alternative could be so much worse. Um, it, I do think it's realistic and I think it's even more realistic that it's the, uh, like I lack for lack of a better word, like immigrant in their group. And I don't know, like they make a comment about that. Like Tony's like, she's just not even a U.S. citizen. Um, yeah, callously they don't they don't grant visas to weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> I mean, rich we, coming from you, Tony. Look, we do see what happens with wine. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I I don't know how like aware Marvel is at this point in their like history of like reckoning with race and everything. But I do think that is interesting that it's like her that's like kind of at the forefront and like one of the only females. Like, and before that, like. Um, Natasha's character is also like the least liked, although she's kind of been the face, like she's the one that goes to Congress and stuff. So not as much. Yeah. But, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know how intentional that is, but Wanda's clearly also the most powerful. So for sure. I mean, yeah, I don't really know how much they were like leaning and like, I don't know how far ahead they had planned her story. No, I don't think Which, at like, all. I would love to know. Yeah. Like, they always, Marvel always says that they have, like, a tentative, like, 10-year plan, right? So, theoretically, that would mean by the time Wanda was being written in these movies, they would know how Infinity War and Endgame were going to go and how WandaVision would play out, which is kind of crazy. I I don't think they knew that, but I think whoever advocated for Scarlet Witch to be in it knew what they could do with her yeah. and wanted to to keep that on the table. Right. And obviously like setting up the vision stuff too, aside Uh, from like just her personal point. Right. But like that could have just not gone anywhere Mm -hmm. as easily as it could have gone somewhere. I I think it's more likely that they had to write WandaVision and they were like, what can we use? And they went back to this and looked at it, which is obviously like, duh. (laughs) Like I don't need to even say that, but like, um, I, I think it was more that, but like clearly somebody wanted her to be in the mix, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think they realized the potential that she had as the character. And I think it's paying off. So good job, whoever advocated for Scarlet Witch's character. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess the writers, uh, Marcus and Mephili, would have been responsible for that. For Age of Ultron? No. Because um, whoever well, introduced you. Yeah, well, Joss I don't, Whedon. I don't know if, jo- like, but the, the Joss- writer of that individual movie is not necessarily no, the person advocating no. for these story plots. No, it would have been, like, the producers being like, all right, here's where we're going to start the story of, of Wanda Maximoff. Right. That's what I mean. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's really cool, like, seeing this and after having watched her arc throughout the movies, no matter how you feel about it, um, she is definitely, like, had the privilege of having a lot of screen time to develop her character and but like small, like right, she's not a small main but character here in the screen time that she has. Like she's a very memorable character. Elizabeth Olsen also has done like a really good job of like keeping like really good consistency. Cause if you like tried to describe her arc to everyone that like doesn't keep up, it'd be kind of hard. It's like, it kind of feels all over the place, Yeah, but she has kept this like consistency with the character that I think not everyone has the ability to do. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about, like, yeah, like, across, like, five movies, she probably, well, not counting Doctor Strange, so let's say four movies, she would have had, like, maybe, like, half an hour of screen time. And then, uh, you know, but they, they made it work. Somehow they made it work. Yeah. It's very impressive to me. All right, well, now I'm in, I'm at MIT. Yeah, uh, so all I could think about in this scene is that 
we, we are seeing Tony uh, working out his feelings and whatnot, but off to the side is Jake Gyllenhaal having his villain origin story moment. Right. Can you remind us slash me what he's got beef about so specifically? So he is a Stark Technologies like engineer who headed up this whole project, basically. Like, was one of the main people working on it that wasn't Tony. Uh, and the, the gross oversimplification of it is that he was pissed that he... He didn't get, like, it. credit. Well, he only used it for this and, like, called it barf and made a joke out of it. And it was, like, Jake Gyllenhaal's, like, life's work, basically. Which is incredible. Also, it started this scholarship program. Right. Take the win, Jake. Like, I'm probably you know? forgetting something, but you all can listen to our... Well, yeah, and he never episode. gets, like, the credit for it. It seems like Tony created right. it. Right. You know, the, the last of... Hopefully the last of the I'm mad at Tony Stark type villain that we will get in the MCU but they used like the footage from this movie in far from home and like just had him off to the side, um, which I, I thought was funny. Um, yeah. Do you, th- I did wonder, like it would be cool if something paid off from this MIT doctorate research. Yeah. I, I hope something does. Like it's just like an aside, like later on they're like, Oh yeah, actually the reason I'm able to do this is because, like, I was part of that group at MIT that got our fund, like, got funded. Like, a very small thing, but, like, it has an impact later on because I do think it's cool that he does this, like, as a philanthropist, and it would be cool to see if it does have any, like, lasting effect on somebody. I would say that it could be, like, something um, in the plot of Ironheart, which is about the character Riri Williams, who, like, develops a... Iron Man-like suit, but she's, like, a teenager. But I think she would be too young to be at MIT, so it wouldn't matter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's there's potential there for sure. That would be a really cool callback if they wanted to do it. Like, if they did the Miles Morales story from the video game, like, the older brother, I think, is, like, supposed to be at school, yeah. like, learning how to do, like... Or he was, like, a grad or something. He was working yeah. on that project with Roxon. Yeah, no, there's, there's potential there. That would be a really cool callback. Um, and then we get this scene with um, one of the few double cast characters in the Marvel, God, not MCU, but started the whole. Oh my God, they're they're double casting people from the Netflix shows. Are they canon? Like the debate that I do not care about because it does no. not matter. Um, Especially for like this, like where it's just one scene. I mean, it's an important scene, but, but it's... yeah, uh, Black Mariah, as she is known in Luke Cage, is here. Uh, as a mom <laughs> of a, it has a son who got killed in Sokovia. And uh, she blames. And she blames Stark. Tony. For and it. I think she has every right to, cause I'm going to come back to this. Well, a couple of times y'all, the whole reason for Ultron and all of that. And the reason that they need the Sokovia Accords is because of Tony and Tony alone. He started this Ultron thing. It's his fault. Yes. I mean that, we will definitely talk more about this because like he like kind of addresses it like, Oh, I created Ultron like my fault. But like so much of this movie is like him like going on this guilt trip, which he was partially sent on by this woman, um, like being so upfront about it and then projecting his feelings about what he is feeling guilty about onto the rest of the team and like forcing them to do what he thinks is atonement 
for what he's done wrong. Which is the exact thing that he did in Age of Ultron that I was mad about. I was like, he feels a certain type of way so about something. So does. everyone must yeah. because he's the smartest person in the room, Which according to him. Is at least consistent. Like he just. He... But that means he didn't learn anything. Like that's my issue with Tony. And I know people love him and they love the journey he goes on and he dies to save everyone at the end. But like, I don't think he learns from his mistakes. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't I don't even know if like if everyone that loves Tony would even disagree with you on this. I think in some ways it even makes him like relatable because he's just like so he just like he has his like opinions and like that's it's how he reacts to situations is like I feel a certain way and that like my heart is telling me that this is like the way that it should be done for everybody, so I'm going to do it. And I like yeah, it's he doesn't like it just it's consistent and I didn't even like really catch it. I think the first time that I watched this, that it's just like his, his paranoia or his guilt or whatever is manifesting in exactly the same way, but it's just a little less evident in this because he's not creating a murder bot. He's just contributing to legislation, but it's effectively the same thing. Yeah. I, he really annoys me when he establishes point later on, um, which I want to talk more about the Sokovia course before we get to that. Which but. also like, I forgot that they broke up Tony and Pepper. Yeah. Kind of silly. I feel like it's, they just couldn't get Gwyneth Paltrow to come back. But like, they could have just been like, she's running a company. Yeah. I, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It has literally no bearing on anything. I mean, in some ways you could just say he's like more vulnerable because he's been broken up with, but like, it doesn't even seem like they're, Using that angle. No, it's kind of weird. I don't, I, I, I'm interested in knowing like why that was a thing. Cause of course the next time we see Tony and Spider-Man homecoming, it's, it's back to, back to normal. Everything's fine. I think they only did it so that he could, um, flirt with Marissa Tomei. Yeah, probably. He could have done that anyway. Let's be honest. It's Tony. Um, and I know we, we kind of just talked about this, but we, Continue to get the news rhetoric that, like, the Avengers are indifferent to, like, the destruction that they're causing. And, I mean, I know we're, like, seeing it from their perspective, but I, I still feel like it's unfair. Like, I don't think they're acting indifferent. No, I mean, but, like, it's it's true because it's, it's hard to, like, compare. Like, in Sokovia, they were like, yeah, like, they were responsible for killing that guy because they were, like, fucking stuff up while they were fighting Ultron. But also, Ultron bots were blowing stuff up, probably killed a lot of people, and they were preventing, like, a global apocalypse. But it's so true that, like, if this was to happen IRL, like, we are saved from, like, this horrific outcome. But there's still going to be the people that are, like, looking for just some sort of, like, restitution, being like, it's not enough that you, like, did this. It's like, what about... Like the people I mean, that I do think that they're trying to do restitution, or at least that's Tony's project. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do, I do think that like the people have a point. It's like, yeah, if the Avengers hadn't been there in Lagos, like something bad would have happened. But I don't think the people there would have been like, oh, well, it wouldn't have happened if the Avengers were here. Like right. they're not asking for them. Like they're like a tragedy would have happened and it wouldn't have mattered whether the Avengers were here or not, kind mm -hmm. of. Like, yeah. they're not... Everyone's not thinking about the Avengers like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I just keep thinking of, like, for the stuff in Lagos, like, we could have, like, the... We have a very boring, like, what-if what episode. Like, if... What would have happened, uh, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, if 
Wanda hadn't, like, killed a bunch of Wakandans. Because, like, I feel like it may have been different. Because I think the fact that it was Wakandans getting killed put, like, the incident on a much higher level. Well, I'll get back to that, too. Sure. Let's put a pin in that. Okay, we'll we'll come back. When Ross is doing his little PowerPoint of, like, here's all of the things that have happened, does he mention the London thing with Thor? No. They don't mention London. They don't mention um, the thing in South Africa with Hulk from Age of Ultron. They don't mention uh, Harlem from the Hulk, which would have made sense because he was in the Hulk. Right. But the Hulk wasn't there, so I guess not. No, they, it's it's selective. Right. Which I think is on purpose. Also, it could like, just be like they don't want to use some of them. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I remember I thought that like when we first watched it. I was like, oh, he could go on if he wanted to because there, <laughs> there are certainly more. Yeah, I mean, the end of Thor the Dark World implied that there was some otherworldly monster still running amok right, in the streets yeah. of London. Um, all right, so let's talk about the Sokovia Accords. Let's do it. The whole thing is that they're like, you can't operate as, a, as your own like private entity. Like, we will decide when and if we're going to use you, and you can either not participate and not do anything. Yeah. Or you can participate in this way. I think it's funny, though, that they're like, you can no longer operate as a private organization when they started as a government agency. Like, they're S.H.I.E.L.D. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, they ceased to be S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. I knew that they're not now. But, like, still, yeah. It's like they're not really a private organization. They're individuals acting. It's It's, just because they do act in a group often. It's like the same deal as, like, they, they like, offhand have, like, this comment about Cap's shield and Sam's, like, jetpack and stuff, like, not technically being theirs. It's government property. It's, like... Well, the Cap... Both of those actually make sense. Well, I'm just saying that, like... But they're using them, like, personally, I guess. Like, not, like, government yeah. sanctioned, which is, like, kind of what the Avengers are doing. Um, like, I don't think they technically belong to them. No, no. Definitely they, not they Sam's. No, And I think Caps not. doesn't either. Well, and we deal with that in, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, too. Um, but, I mean, yeah, just the the Sokovia Accords are so interesting. And I, I, I do wish they had a bit more impact in the future of the MCU. They're handled, like, very much, like, if it's convenient to the plot, maybe we'll mention them. But it's just like the scale of things got so big that it didn't really matter anymore. So we never got to reckon with what was going on in the world at the time when the Sokovia Accords like actually mattered. Uh, at the end of the day, like I, I get the gist of what Ross and like whatever the 117 countries that signed on mean. But like the idea of a United Nations panel having control over what the Avengers doing is just. It's such a bad idea. I'm totally like, I am unapologetically team cap. Yes. Yeah, every time I watch this movie. Also, it doesn't make sense to treat them as a group because they don't always act as a group. No. Like, and to be like, you all have to do this or else. It's like, well, what are you actually going to do if we don't like bring us in? But then like, if they, if they had all stood up and been like, we're not going to do this, like. They would have nothing. They'd have no leverage against Absolutely them. not. And, like, they even talk about, like, Ross is like, well, you don't even know where Thor and uh, Banner are right now. Well, neither do you. Right, and exactly. And, like, there was even the discussion about, like, when Thor left Earth uh, after Avengers, and they're like, 
how like the World Security Council was like, how are we gonna like control him? Right, Fury's like, you're not. Like it's not that's not how this is gonna work. And they're all like, well, this isn't the World Security Council. I'm like, well, it's just another name for like another group. And like, yes, as a person living in the world that we do, I do believe in things like the UN and stuff, but we also don't live in a world where there are superheroes. No, and like enhanced individuals. Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think like the the idea in a vacuum of like having a panel that was like moral and ethical, moral and morally and ethically responsible and could handle the responsibilities of well, directing the are. Avengers. But like I what Cap was saying is like you can't well, yeah. trust those people because they have agendas. You which can't they and also it doesn't really sound like the UN is making decisions. It sounds like Ross is making decisions. Right. And it, it turned it would turn the Avengers from like what they are into like uh where the UN like points they go and like fuck up whoever the UN wants, which is like, that could go very badly. It t- turned them into like a political bludgeon if it, if it went that way. Well, yeah. And like we covered this on our episode of super Bob, where they have a superhero acting as a civil servant for the British government. And it's a very comical way of looking at it, but I do think that it relates to what's going on in this movie. Yeah, and like Cap says, like, what if we need to go somewhere and they won't let us? Like, get right. kneecapped by the government just because they won't sign off on a mission that could, like, maybe it's like, well, like what it, it happens in this movie, right? Which is like, it's it's wild. Like but. Tony tells Ross what they need to do, and he's like, "Why would I listen to you? I don't trust you." So then. The whole thing is moot already. Yeah. Like it's it's dead in the water as soon as it started. And it's it's just such like a massive Also again, they're individuals. They're not a group. Right. Like they didn't even get like Hawkeye to like sign it because he was like, nah, I'm not a superhero anymore. Like I'm retired. Like, what is that? Right. Like, he could just show up. Well, and that's say, what that is what they were saying. I, I know. If you don't want to sign it, do what he did. Right. Yeah. So but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's such a it's such a messy situation and in overcompensation of like the guilt that Tony's feeling and just like push this on everybody else because presumably he's been working with the UN in the background to get all this stuff like written up without telling anybody else. Right. Well, and I do think like there is an issue with them just being able to do whatever they want and like what if they make the wrong choice? There's no like of course. Just, it's the same issue like if the UN makes a wrong choice, like, what do they do? If they make the wrong choice, what do you do? Of course, like, in the real... It should be some sort of collaboration where they have voting power, like... Yeah. Like, in the real world, like, this would never fly because you look at, like, what the U.S. military is doing and you're like, well, a lot of people don't want them acting as, like, the the world's police force and just going somewhere and... But then some countries invade do. <laughs> right, and it's just, it's, you're never... The Avengers existing in the world as we know would, like, be absolute chaos like there would be so much political turmoil over what they're doing at any given moment well i i think i just came up with a really great idea where there is like this council that they are on as well as other non-avenger world leaders yeah and that there is some sort of collaboration i think that would be for the best not every single country has a like it would that'd be too many too many votes right yeah <laughs> no totally i think i think that would be the best possible solution which a little bit is what they end up doing in end game before they bring everyone back there's like this somewhat council yeah and there's like yeah we don't get to see too much of like what they're actually doing but yeah it's, but they're it's, like talking about like what are the issues that we need to resolve today yeah kind of. and i know that um 
the the secret invasion show is going to take place in the time partially. I don't really know how cuz Nick Fury is not with us in the 5 year gap, but something about it is going to cover like what happened uh in that gap, which I th- I find very interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get back to Sokovia Accords, I think, but in the meantime, we go to Cleveland. Yeah, we got Zemo in Cleveland, right? Yeah, how did this guy end up in Cleveland? The guy with the book, the it's just, colonel. I don't know. Cleveland's boring. He's but just, he's like Russian or something. He's, he's like he's from, from the Russia. Soviet I don't know. Union. He just like needed to go hide somewhere. Fuck it. They probably just shot a lot in Cleveland. And they're like, you know, let's actually say it's Cleveland. Like all Winter Soldier was shot in Cleveland. I remember we found that out because I thought it was in D.C. And it, it was most definitely not in D.C. Um, very good question. Didn't really consider it. But, um, you know, a very non-suspicious place. Yeah. For sure. I do. I really like that they did connect this movie to um, Winter Soldier a lot. And they're like, because my question was like, how does Zemo know where this guy is? And they answered. They're like, well, Black Widow did this like information leak and it ends up biting them all in the ass. But like, yeah, it's kind of. Like, that was a choice she made as an individual that probably the council wouldn't have wanted to happen. Definitely not. They'd be like, uh-uh. Yeah, no. And it was... Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. I think this scene is a fantastic introduction for Zemo as a character. Um, and it's really interesting also knowing so much more about Zemo after watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, seeing how he's acting in this movie. Um, but he's just like... Uh, this was also like another uh, subject of a lot of theorizing and hypotheticals about what Zemo would be like in this movie because he wasn't in the trailers at all. Um, oh, really? Like, no, no one knew who was like, people knew the that strings. it was like Daniel Bruhl had been cast as Zemo, but yeah, it didn't, the trailers told you nothing about how he would be involved. Well, good. Cause like, it's important that we don't in this movie, like, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I think they definitely made the right call, and it just added like another layer of anticipation and mystery about like what causes this split. Like we don't know what his agenda is, and then even when we think we know what his agenda is, that's not really the agenda. Yeah, he's a, fan, a good, he's a great villain. It's this is a really well written plot movie. Like the lines, I mean, I, as I said, I think they're a lot of them are funny, but like dialogue, whatever. But like the arc of this movie and like yeah. the, the storylines that they're telling is really good. The actual like interweaving of everything. And I mean, yeah, Daniel Brule just like plays Zemo in such a good way of like, kind of like a somewhat detached and kind of just like, I'm just like going about my business type villain, which I think comes off really well. And he continues that in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. It makes sense that he has training as a spy or yeah. whatever intelligence. Right. Yeah. He's ex military guy and, we learn later that he like has all this money and like royalty, yeah. so he had like the means to you know just fly around the world to accomplish what he needed to do. Get to Cleveland. Yeah, you know how much is a flight to Cleveland? Probably kind of expensive from wherever he was coming from. I don't know. All right, so then tapping back in to uh, where we left off with the accords and the group. Uh huh. Yeah, I just I've already said it once, but like. The whole vibe that I get, like, every time that Tony is talking to the rest of the team is just, like, this immense guilt trip that he's sending himself on. 
and forcing everybody else to come along on the ride. Because, like, everyone else, like, even Steve, like, acknowledges, like, that what happens when they have these fights is on them, but, like, that this is not the right way to handle it. And I, I, I find myself, like, I sympathize in a way with how Tony is feeling about it, especially because he was confronted with it so directly in a way that Steve wasn't, and maybe things would be a bit different. But Steve also would have, like, been Steve able to handle that. Steve would have responded to her in such, like, a kind and, like, thoughtful way that, like, it wouldn't have been like that. Right, and I, so much of this is just totally bearing on the fact that it was Tony receiving this uh, this information and in, in the blame. And it's just... Yeah, but, like, no matter how I look at it, it's just Tony inflicting his will on these people, even though, like, I think part of him knows that, like, he can't trust people like Ross to be telling them where to go and what to do. Well, I think Tony, and this is what Black Widow says as well, he thinks that he can still control them to a degree. And he's so, like, broken by what's happened that he thinks that he needs to be, I guess, controlled. But not by his fellow comrades he wants like a high he doesn't want the responsibility anymore yeah he doesn't want to have to shoulder what that's happens. a really good point actually which and like steve wants, says that too he's like this just passes the blame to somebody else yeah which it's like just, we need to own our shit but like we need to own it yeah not like the un which yeah. would probably be like if if the un was trying to like do something like that with like cleanup and stuff it would probably be such a nightmare for them to like have to handle that like i can't even imagine it like working out well for them. Everyone would just hate the UN for like not doing enough. And then it would just like continue to spiral. Yeah. And I mean, I just, I really hate Tony in this, especially in this scene because he's like doing this like performance where he's like going to the kitchen and he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to participate in these like silly discussions. Cause like I've already made the decision for all of us and it doesn't matter what you all say. And then he's like, you know, getting his tea, and he's like, oh, by the way, this is Charlie who died in Sokovia. And I'm like, Sokovia was your fault. Like, you need to own, you need to deal with that. Right. And, like, don't be like, oh, by the way, this is a face of someone that died. Like, they all know. Like, they don't need to do this. No, the whole song and dance. Like, It is such a song and dance, exactly. He just, like, can't, he can't deal with this, like, privately he has to he has to make a production out of it so everybody knows that tony stark is like trying to be better right which is consistent with the very first iron man like you were saying like this has been a consistent trait of his like right the first thing he does like when he has like a soul search incident is to like call a press conference and shut down the weapons (laughs) front without talking to anybody and yeah it's just he's been doing the same thing in man loves the press conference he really does I, I think that Viz Vision makes the best argument of that side where he's like, there is definitely like causality between us being on the scene and like increased conflict. Like in some ways we invite it. Like right, it, it's just it's escalation. We're too powerful, like as a unit, like we need to, you know, do something. But like this isn't gonna no, solve that. Not. In fact, it's going to draw even more attention, I yeah. think. But like Vision is so right. I mean it's like Iron Man builds a suit and a villain builds a suit to do the same thing. And Hulk shows up and right. then they, the government creates like an anti-Hulk basically. And it just, it spirals. Like what really I think they should have done instead of the Sokovia Accords, if they wanted to do something on like a major scale is like break up the Avengers and be like, 
we can't do these group projects anymore. Like if you need to do something, you know, that you see something, do something. <laughs> um, but like, we're not going to act as a unit and go out and do these right. like saving missions. Well, and so now, um, not to say that you can't, but like, we're not doing it as a group. Yeah. I think that would be a good, uh, in between. And, uh, so recently there was some news about a new Marvel movie, which is very interesting. They announced a director, for a previously unannounced movie, Thunderbolts. Um, because of the um, Doctor Strange movie? No. Wait, what do you Is mean? Is that the guy? No, uh, Thunderbolt, it's named after Ross, like, in this movie. Oh. Wait, who's... I, I thought you were talking about... Oh, Black Bolt? No, unrelated. Oh, so, no, this, so sorry. No, that's true, I forgot. But no, this this ties into, like, kind of, like, what we're talking about, because the, the Thunderbolts is, like, a team of, like, kind of, like, an Avengers, but, like, with, like, kind of some anti-heroes and, like, somewhat of a Suicide Squad type deal. Do you deal. think that's what um, Julia Dreyfus? Absolutely. Okay. So, like, it's been definitely like, leading towards something because basically, like, what the way I'm seeing this is, like, a governmental response to the Avengers. Like, they have their team that a lot of them, they have, like, something on them, then they can, like, be like, go here, do this. And they're not going to, like, the Avengers be like, uh, we're not going to do that because we're right. private. Oh, that's um, interesting. And so it's, they, there was nothing about this movie until, like, Deadline, who's, like, reliable, reported that they had picked a director. So now, uh, you know. How are they going to do it, though? Because, like, didn't the well, actor so that played Ross Well, so William die? Hurt died. I'm guessing that maybe they'll call it, like, the Thunderbolts, like, as a, like, in his memory kind of i think like the original version of them like he wasn't involved in, in oh, the comics okay. so i think it's val but like this is like you know i think they're gonna have john walker there um maybe florence Pugh, yeah, florence Pugh will probably be there uh maybe taskmaster you know if they bring her back or somebody else's taskmaster and i think it, that's an opportunity for them to revisit like what a team like this is like when it's under direct government supervision Obviously, Valentina, Contessa, so-and-so-and-so, maybe not the same type of individual as the ones that would be on a UN panel overseeing the Avengers. But she's obviously but, not in charge. She's just the recruiter. Right. Yeah, so that that remains to be seen. But I'm wondering if there will be some parallels there. That's very interesting. Um, I, I think the best thing that they do in this movie, and at least in this part of it, not with the Tony versus Steve stuff, but in this like conversation where they're all sitting around the table, I think they do a really good job of presenting both sides and both arguments. Definitely. Like they give it time to breathe and they have, it's not just Steve and Tony bickering. It's like you said, vision making very good points, Nat making very good points. And like people like challenging everybody else on like, Oh, like, like Nat, like you are the person saying that we shouldn't trust the government. So like, what's this all about? And and like her reason for joining is very different than like Rhodey's reason for joining. Like she's doing it because she feels like if she doesn't, they will control her, um, which is accurate. Yeah, like, like everyone has their own reasons, except for you know maybe like Sam because Sam's just like I'm just doing whatever. Well, Steve. no, I think and even he does. Well, he, yeah, he's obviously he's gonna do what Steve, Steve does. But I think he and Rhodey have such a good foil for each other because they're both military guys, but have, well, Rhodey's never left the military technically, I guess. And like Sam did and like how they both kind of see that. But then we kind of confront that again in 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, and, like, you would think that, like, maybe the government would have sowed a bit more distrust in Rhodey after, like, what they did with the Iron Patriot stuff in Iron Man 3, but we don't really reckon with that too much. They don't give Rhodey a ton. No. I know he's getting his own show, but... I keep um, oh, man, I'm, I'm excited for that show. Like, I... Like, Rhodey has, like, such a... Sh- like is so staunch in his, like, point of view on this. Like, he annoys me more than most people in this, like, where he's just, like, you're being naive. And it's, like, no, you're being naive. Like, you're just a talking mouthpiece for the government right now. And, like, uh, I was going to say this at the end, but I'll say it, like, now, I guess, is, like, at the end when he's, like, paralyzed and stuff, he's, like, I still made the right choice with signing these accords. I'm, like, what is the, what are you saying? Like, what is the movie saying that we're, like, being like it's still a good call like it's they're they're staunch in their beliefs i mean for roadie like nothing changed i guess like he still thought he was doing the right thing the stuff with bucky like didn't really affect roadie yeah he was still just like looking at it from like the bigger picture well he's just talking about the accords not but like i it seems like he's also like i still believe that we should be fighting our own which i think roadie wouldn't be on that yeah i don't know like i think roadie would have been talking tony down from like fighting them and being like we need to sign these accords but like it shouldn't be our responsibility to to bring them in yeah but i guess like i'm imagining like tony probably would have like convinced him being like it's either us or like someone that might like kill some of them like trying to well right i think tony would be making the argument like we should be the ones bringing them in like they're kind of our problem and roadie being like look we're we're doing this, but like we shouldn't. You know, I I think there should have been some sort of. They could have done a scene, but I'm guessing Tony would have just broken Rhodey down about it. <laughs> no, like yes, he would have gone along with him, but like him at least making yes. a point to- is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely, you're right. Um, and then so N- Natasha says this whole thing, and then we're like at the funeral, I think, at one point, and she she's talking to Steve again about it, and this is really good groundwork too for her movie because she's like she says something along the lines of like it, it's better to stay together than how we stay together and like her whole like thing about like found family like I don't know if they had considered the Black Widow movie at this point but like that is such an important narrative yeah. of that movie and I think it's really interesting that she says this here and like is a huge, like, foundation for that movie. Yeah. So, just a small line, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. A lot of the Black Widow family stuff kind of feels retconny, but maybe they did have something vaguely in mind, at least, because that's a very good well, point. Well, it still, I guess, could have been retconny, like, using this line, but, like, you can just tell that, like, finding a family and wanting to be with them is, like, so important to her. Yeah. And it's made more important based on that movie. Like, I wouldn't have thought twice about this line, really. Definitely. More context. Also, like, the funeral scene. Yeah, we didn't... I didn't have a note about it, actually, but... Yeah, so uh, Peggy, sadly, has is no longer with us as of this movie. Somebody texts Cap that he does not have the number of, and it's just, I like... I think it's Sharon. Sharon. Yeah. Um, also, not the best eulogy, Cher. No, Cher I mean, it gets better. It gets better. But, you know, it's funny because, like, the... Her, like, what she says in her eulogy is, like, so important to what... Steve does in this movie like he is very much like plant yourself like a tree like don't let anybody tell you otherwise that's what I mean it's kind of pointed yes it is pointed (laughs) but also like we're lucky that it's like Steve getting inspiration from this because you could tell that to like a real piece of shit (laughs) 
like a that's a super villain origin story. Well, I heard this eulogy once, and it was like it was really nice. And like, I'm just not going to let anybody tell me that I'm wrong and just be like the world's worst person and just be unshaken. Anybody could take that in the way they wanted. I guess it was good. It was good for Steve to hear, but like, I don't know. But I thought it was a very funny twist that nobody knew that it was that Sharon was Peggy's niece. I forgot that that was a twist. Yeah. Because, like, we don't know that in Winter Soldier. She's just Agent 13. Yeah. I do love the moment where Sam, like, like <laughs> elbows him, and he's like, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, Steve, uh, Chris Evans does, like, a really good, like, face acting. So there. maybe it wasn't her that texted him. Maybe it was, like, a nurse. Yeah. Just, she's gone in her sleep, period. Come on, man. I know it's not a really bedside manner if it's over the phone, I assume still. there's been a thread going. Probably. Like, we don't see it, but... Steve, well, yeah, because he's got his font on super Steve big. probably deletes all of his messages after he gets them. It's like, it's like a telegram. Stop. Do you think he texts stop yes. after every... <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. I got T'Challa. And T'Chaka. T'Chaka is here. T'Chaka, who's on screen for all of two minutes, making such a great impact on, like, informing you who T'Challa and the Wakandans are. And, like, has this, like, brief but, like, really meaningful interaction with Natasha, who is, like he said, kind of, like, acting as the figurehead for the Avengers, like, in these proceedings, which I think is really cool. Yeah, why is it Tony there? That is a very good question. This is his whole thing. He's like, I don't want to actually do it. I guess he also brings too much attention. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, Natasha has become, like, the in political or yeah. court kind of rep of the she's Avengers. She's like so. dark feet or she's like a Jean Grey for X-Men. Yeah, like they trust her to like go out and do this stuff, which makes sense. She keeps her cool. I feel like Tony would even be like, nah, oh, like he'd you. be horrible. Yeah, like you, you go handle this, Nat. You got this. Um, but like, it's just like really interesting seeing like T'Chaka's like this interaction and like Natasha is like, I'm sorry for what happened. And he seems to like just like accept that and be like, okay, like, but like, because it's not personal. Like, it's personal because his people die, but he's not, like, personally, like, vendetta against the Avengers. And having that, like, in a way, portrayed against T'Challa going, like, having this, like, bloodlust after Bucky in this movie is pretty interesting. Yeah, I do have an issue with King T'Chaka, though. Um... I think he's being extremely hypocritical. He's like the reason for the Sokovia Accords, essentially. And yet, who's holding him accountable for one, having this like weapon, vibranium, and then two, the Black Panther situation of it all. He's not volunteering Black Panther to be part of these Sokovia Accords. And I get that like Black Panther's not doing things on a world level, like it's just for their country. But I think that there's something stinky about that. Well, and they dive so much into that in Black Panther. But not in terms of the Sokovia Accords, in terms of, like, what their role is as a world leader and as a country. Yeah, to me, that can, like, kind of be tied together. But it's he's the one driving this, which is what I think yeah. is kind of shitty. Like, knowing all of the secrets that he's holding. Yeah, it's a bit of a double standard. And I don't think they reckon with that. No, it's not that specifically. Because yeah. they don't really reckon with the Kobe Accords after this, which is fine. I don't... Right. Yeah, it was more just, like, the the matter of Wakanda being, like, on the, the global, like, playing field. 
It is, and I think it is interesting that he's drawing so much attention to Wakanda here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is... That's an interesting uh, perspective. I hadn't really looked into it like that. I thought that his whole thing was that we should keep our heads down and not share what we have with the world, and it's T'Challa that changes that. Yeah. But and here he's like, he's not obviously bringing up the whole vibranium and stuff, but he's drawing attention to their country. Definitely. I guess, I mean... I would have, it would have been cool to like have some more information on this. There would have been no reasonable place to put it. Right. But like there must have been so much deliberation in Wakanda about how to handle this because it's like, we don't, we come off as like, like you would be like, what's wrong with them if they don't like come out to like make any sort of statement right. about like the fact that a bunch of the people just got killed. Like and the, one of the rare times that they actually go somewhere else. Well, and I think it's important that they are considered a country worthy of like, some sort of justification for these deaths just for being a country, not because they have some, like, something else to give to the world, like right. vibranium. Like, they should... They just, they exist, and right. that, that's enough. It should be that, and it's clearly not. Like, they have to make a, a statement to bring any kind of, like, clout. To, like, what would have happened if he hadn't said anything? Like, nothing. Right, because to the rest of the world, they're just, like an African country of yeah. no particular It would have just been casualties. Standing, right. Which is, yeah, that and that's, like, a lot to reckon with. Uh, yeah, I mean, they can only handle so many, so much political discourse in this, but I, I did, it bumped me the wrong way that he is the reason that they started this, and yet we have Black Panther, we have, like, this vibranium in this country that no one is, who is accountable to no one and is... Politically yeah. and socially and economically and all that stuff advanced uh, technologically over everyone else. Very interesting. That is very interesting. Well, yeah, because we don't. Yeah, in some ways they they deal with that, but not not in regards to the Sequoia Accords. But I mean, this is just such like a good introduction for T'Challa. Obviously, we get this the the faked bombing by Bucky as part of Zemo's very intricate villainous plot and uh very intricate extremely intricate but um I don't know how many other people died they say it but T'Chaka is obviously the the most notable casualty I think um but like the the little scene like on the benches with Natasha and T'Challa is very much like a good introduction for like what is driving T'Challa and they give you like a bit of background on like how Lacondon's view like death and stuff about the ancestral yeah, plan. Yeah, I really like really that because cool. that's such an important part of Black Panther. And he's like, my father believes so-and-so. I am not my father. And we, we do expound more on that in Black Panther because he speaks to him in the ancestral plane and gets to confront him about some of his wrongdoings, which is really cool. But like this whole, this whole sequence might be in the running for like my favorite in the movie because this is like the first time that we're seeing... This is the first time that we see Bucky. Like, he's doing his oh, thing. Oh, when they catch up to him in yeah, Romania. He's, he's in Romania. Also, he just seems so somewhat adjusted. He's just buying fruit. And, yeah, he, like, he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know that he's been framed for the murder of a political leader. Uh, he's just trying to hang out. And it's just... It's really sad. Because you... At this point, like, in-universe... He's only been like non Winter Soldier for like maybe two years. Not even because if Winter Soldier like happened in twenty fourteen and this is happening in oh, twenty sixteen, okay. um, 
yeah, somehow he's ended up in Romania, which is funny because Sebastian Stan. That's probably was, why they did yeah, that. And he can, like, speak it. Um, oh, like Sebastian can? Yeah. But, yeah. Well, and, he you know, speaks, like, Russian and stuff in this, too. Right. But, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's rough for the guy. Um, we also get our incognito Steve and Sam and uh, what's her name? Sharon. Sharon. Sharon's not Steve, incognito. Three S's. Um, but a baseball hat and sunglasses. But she, like, I do, I know you and a lot of other people don't really like what they do with her character in Falcon. Correct. Um, but I think that in this, like, they show her in a very small way, like, being bred as a spy by her aunt. Like, they kind of allude to that, that her aunt, like, kind of taught her everything she knows a little bit. And then, like, she is getting shit done undercover behind the scenes. Like, oh, yeah. And I think that's important to, like, her characters, that she's, like, extremely capable at, like, blending in, doing what needs to be I done. I agree. I mean, look, I, we talked about it in, when we watched the show. The execution of what they did with her character is, in my opinion, still really bad. It has potential going forward, but, like, I think they just, like, totally messed up, like, how they handled it. But I think that, like, the foundation was definitely laid, like, as to, like, what her capacity is for stuff like that. Yeah, because I I think that there's, like, a lot of flaws in, like, how she's been written so far because it's, like, they don't know what they want to do with her. And I was kind of just glad that they were using her in kind of a badass way in that. Yeah, Yeah, to me it was just, like, the, the plot turns that they took were kind of, like, nonsensical to me. Obviously, we don't need to go through that again. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think she gets the credit she deserves for like how she was handling stuff in this movie. She was going like under the noses of her supervisors clearly by even like talking to Steve and Sam after everything that went down. And she doesn't even need sunglasses. No, no, she does not, <laughs> or a hat. Um, so we get like this great scene where Steve is in Bucky's apartment and trying to be like, you know who I am. Like, stop, stop pretending that you don't know who I am. Like. And I think it's just, like, confront the fact that, like, you've been through some shit, but you know me. Like, I am, like, one of the remnants from your past that, like, you can actually connect to still. I think Bucky's actually trying to protect Steve by pretending not to know him. Yeah, like, don't, like, just get away from me. like, I'm bad news, like, don't, right? like, death and destruction follow me. Totally. Um, But, like, man, this whole, like, fight and chase scene, so good. Is this the one that you were going to say was done? Yeah, so, like... We start in the apartment and they like fight down the staircase, which is all great. And then they jump across to the rooftop, which is our introduction to Black Panther in costume. Super yeah. badass. Obviously very intimidating fighter. Um, I, I, he, he gets like shot up by like the he- machine gun on the helicopter and just kind of like looks mildly inconvenienced, <laughs> which really tells you something about the vibranium that he's wearing. Um, but the, the scene where they're running through the tunnel and like they're running faster than the cars and Steve's driving the car, that was all done totally practical. So there's this channel on YouTube called a uh, shit. I just forgot the name. Actually, I'm, I have to look it up while I'm talking about it. They do a lot of videos where they talk about CGI and stunt scenes in movies. And they have I think it's, it's corridor digital is the name of the channel. And they'll have stuntmen like come on and they'll and watch scenes where the stuntman did. And so for this scene, they have like these cars driving at like 40, 50 miles per hour. 
and behind it, they basically had like a treadmill and the, the stunt men for Bucky and for black Panther were on this treadmill as the car was driving, like running, oh, like being kept up at speed. Cause that's the part that I thought looked weird. I was like, this kind of looks weird with the cars I mean, going by like, them. They had to like brush out the stuff, yeah. obviously, but they were like actually at speed and they were like, yeah. it was terrifying. Yeah. And like the scenes where they're like barely hanging onto the side of the cars, they're like, yeah, we were doing that at speed. There's a lot of running in this movie. Yeah. A lot of shots of them running. A lot of fast running. And like, I just found it very impressive that like they were like, yeah, that was like some of the most intense stunt work that they did. Like, I'm glad they just, did more practical stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think like you can still get like a little bit of that like green screened weirdness just from the fact that they have to like remove this stuff in post but like but that's part of it is made better it's like the fact that they did it it's so fucking cool like (laughs) give the stunt people a job well i just mean it's like better than like how you always complain about like suits being cg'd on like all of these characters benefit from that they're (laughs) actually wearing costumes we we do have that in this movie with uh anytime that we have tony without his mask on looks a little little rough not as bad as like like uh, Bruce Banner in the Hulkbuster suit in Infinity War, but it's not great. Well, it just also means that they're not doing that all practically. Yeah, right. I know. Um, It does look really bad for Cap that he appears to be helping Bucky fight these, like, cops and stuff. And, like, we know what's happening, but, like, this is where he looks the worst. Yeah. And, like, as much as I hate... Rhodey's like, congratulations, Cap, you're a criminal. Like, yeah, it's not. This one was bad. The this optics, one's on Cap. The optics are rough. This one's on Cap. But it's also like a really cool like reveal kind of for us and for the characters of like Tatala taking his mask off. He's like not even worried about. No, he's like, what's going to happen? Like, right. I'm good. He, he probably could have gotten away. Yeah, if he but wanted But he wanted to. to stay with Buck. Yeah. Yeah, at, like at, at all costs. He's not gonna he's not gonna get removed from that situation. And I had an observation about Bucky this time that I'm sure we've all everyone probably already thought this and I'm just behind, but Bucky is serious black from Harry Potter. Tell you us know, more about that. He's been falsely accused in this movie. He's riding a motorcycle, he's really cute, and he has long hair. That's my <laughs> argument. <laughs> uh, yep, that totally checks out. He's, he's four for four. Yeah, I mean, he's been imprisoned in his own mind, too. Like, Sirius Black was actually in prison, but, you know, same same but diff. <laughs> so I think we were all thinking it. We we all were, but somebody had, had to, to say, say it. it. Had to. When he got on that motorcycle, it's like, oh my god, is serious black? You, you did say it, and at the time, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't fully comprehend what you meant, so I didn't say. I anything. don't even remember that I said it out loud. You said you're like, totally I was serious black, and I was furiously like, writing my notes about it. <laughs> you said it, and then started writing, and I was like, uh huh. <laughs> I, like, I know. Will, I was. Calm. I will revisit this in a couple days. This movie, more than anything, I was like talking at the TV a lot. You I did. Like. It was color commentary. We should have recorded it. Yeah. Um, so like my question is here, like, did no one know what the psych evaluator looked like? I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but like, like, I mean, you know, Everett Ross, he thinks he's hot shit. He probably didn't look. He's probably, Also, they don't look that dissimilar. Yeah. And why would they think that anything would be afoot with the, like, they're so proud of themselves right now. I know. Like, they they think they are, they've, they've, mission accomplished. I'm getting... 
mission accomplished banner vibes here. I know I jumped over a little bit of them being brought in. We get introduced to Everett Ross, who later comes back in Black Panther, which was kind of a surprise to me. Also, he's so likable in Black Panther, and he's so unlikable in this. Oh, yeah. It's just the scenario that he's in. I forgot that he was in this. He gets dunked on in Black Panther all the time. They're like, oh, like everyone's calling him colonizer and stuff. Like It's it's great. That's why I think I like him. But in this, he's definitely like government antagonist like thinks he's in the right even though like we're watching things go wrong in real time being like let him out give cap his shield back um and i'm like of course we get like a very annoying scene with tony here like with the with the pens and stuff and but we do dig a bit into tony like having this complex oh, over i actually think this is when tony's like i think he's reaching out he is at his most reasonable here I just like at, being at this point in the movie. I'm like, this isn't this doesn't matter right now because we we start to see like Zemo's plan coming together. Well, I think what I like about this moment from Tony is that I think he really feels bad for like doing this to Steve. Yeah, like bringing the accords onto Steve, knowing that Steve like feels really strongly. Like I think we get. Tony having the most empathy for Steve in this moment. I think you're right, and that's why I like it. And then, of course, like, we ha- we go along with Steve and be like, ah, oh, you ruined it. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah, he went too far. I do find, like, the stuff with him talking about how his dad, like, always talked about knowing Captain America and stuff. He's like, oh, did you guys know each other? See, funny like, quips. Funny right. Quips. Like, and that was good because, like, that's, like, that we don't dive into that too much. But, like, because so much of this movie, like, it does kind of hinge on Tony's, like, parents. Them, like, having that relationship, like... I think Tony sees his dad as being like closer with Steve than he was with himself. And like having like, he was such a formative figure, like in his father's life growing up that like, he just, Tony's not been able to get away from Captain America for his entire life. Right. I think he would very much prefer that to not be the case. And now it's like coming to a head in such a, a visceral way. I think the part that does it for me where I'm no longer on Tony's side in this moment is when he tries to be like, I think the Sokovia Accords will help my and Pepper's relationship. Like, that should matter at all. Right. Like, that, which is such, that's the, the maybe the clearest showcase of the fact that this is, like, a personal guilt trip. Right. And it's manipulation. Right. It's like, oh, like, I'm not doing great, buddy. Like, if you sign, if you sign this UN legislation, me and Pepper will get back together again. And aren't, I'll be happy. Aren't you invested in right, that? Like, you who had one love of your life and never can see her again? <laughs> you get it, right? Yeah, totally relatable content. But, I mean, yeah, and it's, it's that. It's the, like, keeping Wanda imprisoned on the Avengers compound thing, which is obviously, like, what Steve really gets riled up about here. And, you know, he's like, she's just a kid about Wanda, which right. has also led people to be like, how old is Wanda supposed to be I in these I think she's movies? supposed to be kind of young. Yeah, I guess like early 20s. But also everyone is just a kid to Steve. Right. But you can pretty much, <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore because it's a 100-year-old man saying it. Um, I did want to go actually back to Wanda because like kind of in between all of this is her scene with Vision where they're making the, I always want to say paprika. Um, pap- paprikash. Paprikash. Yeah. Um, and like, we already have been like talking about all of the groundwork for Wanda in this, but in this scene again, we get her like grappling with her identity. Um, and I was like surprised to see that in this. It, she's like, um, she says something to Vision along the lines of like, I can't control 
their fear. Only my own. Only my own. And like, that's obviously like something that Clint kind of taught her, which I think is sweet. I, I love their relationship. Yeah, it's that really comes great. back in this. Um, and then it's like the only good thing to come out of Age of Ultron. Um, and then like so much of what we see about Wanda is like her dealing with her identity and how the world perceives her. And like, we still see that in Dr. Strange. So I, I love that that's a line in this. It's, it's so consistent. And it's like, yeah, it's the, the crux of her character is just like how like dealing with these powers on a global scale, which would fuck anybody up. And like, she obviously takes it too far. Cause like in this movie, it's like, she makes a decision that she's no longer going to feel guilty for how people see her. Yeah. And then we see that in WandaVision, her no longer feeling guilty for how people see her. Um, and then she has to get pulled back a little bit and then obviously goes off the deep end. But um, it it's it's just good. I think it's really good how they use this stuff in her story. Yeah. Forward. And then like, you know, in WandaVision, they have the scenes that are directly taken from this time in Wanda's life where we have like that vision line about like grief. What is, yeah. Grief is love persevering and like all that. And it, it meshes so seamlessly into what we, the journey, uh, albeit short that we see her go on, uh, over the course of this movie. And then like, of course, like jumping ahead a little bit, but the moment where Hawkeye like shows up to like get her out of there is just great. Um, I do. I like that scene a lot too, but one thing that really, I thought was dumb that they included in this. And I feel like they included it just because they needed to like set some groundwork for infinity war was like, they're having this like nice moment. They're talking about the food. They're like, blah, blah, blah. And then apropos of nothing, Viz is like, I don't know what this thing on my head does. And he's like pointing to the infinity. So did it like, obviously like kind of relates because their like powers are from the same thing. But I'm like, this is so dumb and contrived. I, I guess. But Does like, that not I, bother you? No, it doesn't. Because like, I, all caps. I get it because like, yeah, it kind of is apropos of nothing. But it's also like, because like Wanda has these abilities that she doesn't like fully understand. And she's, like, kind of scared of, like, how they're affected. Yeah. And, like, Vision's walking around being like, yeah, dude, like, I came from this thing and I have no fucking idea what it is. So, like, yeah, I think it is in there because it's like, we got to talk about the Infinity Stones. And it's like, wow, like, this is a stone. Right. Wink, like, wink. Maybe they could have meshed it a little more seamlessly, but it doesn't bother me. Like, his, his, like, line after, I guess, connects it, but, like, him being, like, I don't know what this is just felt so silly to me. I get it. But I, I get it. But I also wrote like, that. And then I was like, okay, they're kind of making it. Make yeah. Sense. Like, I think it is important <laughs> to like visions character that like, he has this, like he doesn't fully comprehend like himself as a being, which I think is important because I think that that just carries over a bit into like how he feels about what he has to do in infinity war, like, and all that. But yeah, I still, I kind of get what you're saying. No, it's fine. Um, you're not at the Clint stuff yet, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not. No, 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 no. no. Okay. I just, like, wanted to talk about that because we were talking about yeah. Scar Witch. Because um, we're back at the... I said the Ant-Man scene. That's what I have. Oh, I... What about Bucky getting what? out? You oh, don't have well, anything I'm on that? Not really. Oh, <laughs> but okay. I, obviously that's a big part. Well, one thing that I just made a note of is that I personally forgot that no one else sees the brainwashing happen. Yeah. No one knows about those like words or anything. Cause I always thought that that was like common knowledge that knowledge that everyone knew that Bucky he got re winter soldier or that 
that there is a brainwashing because yeah. I think that most people think that like that's Bucky's just the soldier yeah. and like there is like there's no you know that's just who he is and this obviously and like Cap's been saying it all along like he's been brainwashed and like this is obviously proof that we don't get to see um and I because I always get mad at Tony for like not understanding about Bucky but he doesn't see this so like I think even if someone's saying like you know he's been brainwashed it's hard to conceptualize that definitely because why would he he doesn't know Bucky anyway so it's like I don't know right and honestly for most people they'd be like what brainwashing I get the fuck out of here also it doesn't matter he's like terrified and is like built to kill me so it doesn't matter if he's being brainwashed or not yeah um, I mean, obviously, Tony takes it to a whole nother level. But. but that's a very good point, though. I mean, yeah, it, it affects people's interpretation. It would be a lot more sympathetic if people knew that he was in this. Well, not a lot more, but people would at least have that understanding that it's not just Bucky of his own volition doing all this stuff. Um, but, man, like, it's so sad. You know, he doesn't want to do this shit. He's, like, on the brink of, like, he's, like, he's, like no, kind of free. Don't say the word. Yeah, and we were kind of like, why don't we could just, like, stick your fingers in your ears and just, like, keep yelling really loudly until someone, like, gets there and takes out Zemo. But whatever. But <laughs> Cap prevails and gets him out of there. And then we see a very familiar scene. Well, actually, now that we're talking about it. I do have a, another note about, about the that. helicopter. Well, about the, like the breakout scene because he, he's fighting a lot of people and he has like some cool fight scenes against Black Panther. I just remember like in the trailer they have that scene where Tony obviously doesn't have a suit, but he has the one glove that comes out of his watch and he like blocks the gun and like Bucky like pulls yeah, the trigger. Scary. And it's like a foot away from his head and like that was in the in the trailer, the first trailer. It, like has him like pulling it and like firing and like, st- like Tony like looks all shocked and everyone was like. Yo, like, what the fuck is going on? So, kind of like a common theory. Yeah. But, like, that's like a very effective, like, for Tony, that's like one of the closest times to death that he, he you know, he has a lot of near death experiences in this movie. But, like, he was one, <laughs> a, a glove away from getting shot in the head, which is like pretty, pretty rough. Also, pretty rad technology that it, like, yeah. stops a bullet. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's, it's not made out of my brain. And you'd think it'd still hurt, but whatever. Right. Well, he does get fucked up from the whole thing. Like his arm is all messed up. Yeah. There was actually like a, a long running theory that he was going to lose his arm, his left arm, like using the infinity gauntlet. Cause he like keeps mentioning these left arm injuries like throughout more than just lost his arm. From yeah. The yeah. I don't think people thought that, but either way, uh, but yeah, so we, we do get a very familiar scene. And of course, it's very familiar because they clipped it out, except they, they removed like two lines, but otherwise kept the entire thing in its entirety as the post credit scene for Ant-Man. Also, I was very confused about where this took place when we were watching Ant-Man. Griffin kind of knew where it took place, but not I, really why. I had a slight misunderstanding about why they were calling in Ant-Man. Yeah, which is like to fight Zemo, not to fight... Not to fight Tony, though. Tony, although inadvertently has right to at this point in the movie they think they're gonna fight a bunch of other winter soldiers right which um was the the notable douchebag at marvel um like perlmutter who did not want robert downey jr in this movie because it was going to cost them a lot of money wanted Fair them reason. to just fight all the winter soldiers at the end of the movie instead which would have been fucking horrible so Glad we got like out of here because that was like my mental comparison that I've I mentioned in our Batman v Superman episode 
about like the two routes that the movie could have gone, which is like ending the conflict between Steve and Tony and having them come together against a common enemy at the end of the movie, which would have been the Winter Soldiers, which, while they technically set it up, would have been so bad. Like, here, like, everyone, like, kiss and make up and then fight the other bad guys and you're good to go. Yeah, would have been Which a is what they did in Batman v Superman. Yeah. It's like, here's here's Doomsday, fight him. Um, but, no, it's it was a, a great little twist. But also, yeah, it was it was really cool uh, seeing this scene again in context. Yeah. We're and getting the teams together and we got to go to Queens. Yes, we do, man. I remember like when we saw this and like the Queens thing popped up, everyone's like, ah, fuck yeah. Cause everyone knows what's coming. It's so cool. They shouldn't have put Spider-Man in the trailers. They shouldn't have, but they had to. They, no, they didn't. They, it's, I mean, I always... How insane would it have been? It would have been absolutely bonkers. Like, I I cannot even imagine. It would be like, even like, uh, on a lesser note, like, if they hadn't revealed Hulk being in Thor Ragnarok, like, what they could have done with that, this would have been unbelievable. I'm currently of the belief that movies that are this big shouldn't have trailers. Well, (laughs) yeah. Like, Marvel should never release another trailer. I think you're right, but, like... Because people will go to see the Marvel movies no matter what. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, but they like, don't need to advertise You know, it. you could also make the argument that, like, at this point, like, it's a Captain America movie, which, at this point in the MCU, were not historically the best performing ones. Like, they were doing fine. But, like, I feel like this was, like, the movie that brought a lot of people's attention more to Captain America. Even the Winter Soldier, I'm which people liked. I'm by that. Their box office numbers just didn't stack up to, like... The first Captain America movie's perfect. Look, I'm just talking about money made. So, like, they had to put these trailers out so people at least knew that Iron Man was in these movies because people that are invested in Iron Man are now going to go see it. And then you get, like, all these other people who don't pay attention to the Marvel Studio news, and all of a sudden they're watching TV and they see Spider-Man pop up, and they're like, oh, shit, like, I love Spider-Man. I love the Tobey Maguire movies. No, now i got to go see this because there's a new Spider-Man. Oh, my gosh. Is it um, Andrew Garfield? <laughs> we, we don't I got to find out. Right. And I... Like, there's always this discussion when trailers come out now. Like, they put out a trailer for uh, Doctor Strange, which I won't spoil Doctor Strange here if you haven't seen it, but it had some, like, of the cameo characters in it, like, just showing them. And people were like, why did they do this? And it's like, well, they want people to be like, oh, shit, like, so-and-so's in this movie, so now I was on the fence and now I'm going to spend money to see it. I get it, but, like, ah, uh, there's just nothing like going into a movie and, like, not knowing something's coming and yeah. what a big reveal. Definitely. Which they kept some of those, like, big reveals. Yeah, and, like, I will say for the, the trailers for this movie, they had all of this stuff here. Obviously, like I said before, no Zemo. They had these scenes of, like, Bucky and C beating the shit out of Tony and like teases of like the fight at the airport with everybody running at each other, but they kept so much of it like in the like dark the plot, right? Like why that people happening. were seeing this and being like, "Holy shit!" Like now I need to go see like what yeah. led to this point. That makes sense. But uh, I know there were a lot of people that shared the same thing about Spider Man. Like that would have been but fucking let's, ballistic. Let's move on. Let's keep, move on. Let's talk about Spider Man. I love that they never ever tell his origin story. They never explain yeah, well, the no, spider bite. Well, now they're going to. What? They're doing an animated series. Oh, yeah. But... That's fine. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, it's... They they treat the character as they should, as in everybody, everybody knows who Spider-Man is. 
We don't need to explain again <laughs> how this happened. We don't need to know why his aunt is so hot. Like, yeah, which is I. Th- one of the IMDb trivia things was like Marissa Tomei is the youngest person to play Aunt May because she was in her fifties when this movie came out. I'm like, she's in her fifties. Like, pfft. no way, Marissa Tomei. Wow. Like, God damn. Like Tony, I get it. Um, and it's also funny because people were like, oh, like why is. Aunt May's so young. And everyone's like, you can't. Rosemary Harris was like 70 years old when Spider Man came out. Like, how does that make any sense? How much older was she? I know, I know. Like, um, but like, what a the what a great like start for this iteration of Spider Man, right? Yeah, I think they did we've talked about Spider Man a lot, obviously, because we prepared for the last one. Um, but yeah, they they just do a really good job of bringing him in and then Picking up with Homecoming. They did make his apartment in this too nice. So yeah, they had to knock him down a peg in Homecoming. Because, yeah, even, like, the scenes, I was like, wow, this is, like, real, it's huge living room, like, beautiful. I'm like, this doesn't feel Except for right. his room, which this is in the post credit scene, but, like, there's nothing on his walls yeah. in his room. It's very weird. Like, this doesn't, this doesn't track. Um, and, like, there's some stuff here that, like, I think the they hadn't like fully fleshed out this version of Spider-Man because yeah. they haven't like they did it so last minute, right? And like they haven't like dumpster diving and stuff. Like he doesn't he doesn't do that. Like we don't really see him like working on his tech so much, which I think yeah. they were kind of painting him in a certain way. But in every other way, like it it works so seamlessly. Like watching Homecoming after this, and I just it was I think it was a bold choice for them to introduce Spider-Man into the universe in such a short time in a movie that he really doesn't have that much to do in, but it was really good in the long run. Yeah. Um, and let me rag on Tony some more though. Hell yeah. Um, the worst part of Tony's manipulation of Peter is that Peter would have been on Cap's side. He even says a line to Tony that says, I can't sit by and not help people, which is part of Cap's argument is like, I'm not going to sit by. Like, what if they tell us we can't go, you know, where we need to go? Like, and that's what Peter is basically saying. But like, Tony has like painted it in this picture that like, you know, you got to help our side and like. Right. And so like I mentioned this uh, when we were watching the movie, like Peter is explaining like his MO, which is basically like the great power comes great responsibility thing, even though he hasn't heard that in the universe yet. You find out later. But I think from Tony's perspective, he thinks in his own way, he's doing what Peter says he's doing. Like Tony's like, I have this power, right? Like I have this great power, but I don't have the, the great responsibility. Like I can't do it. So the great responsibility has to come from somebody else shouldering it like the UN like that's my responsibility is to keep us in check like I feel like he sees himself as like the arbiter of that responsibility for all the Avengers and being like I have this is like I can do like I like, have I don't the, want the burden right and but I like know, he's but also Peter's not at that point I yet. know like I just I feel like in in a way that like Tony sees himself like in the way that Peter is like, I have to do this. Like, I can't not do it right. because of something else like Lagos happens because I didn't make us join, like make us sign the Sokovia but Accords. But that's like and, the exact same argument that Cap's making. No, it's, I mean, I think it's like, really I twisted up. Like, I think if up. Peter had been in the room with those discussions, he would have been on Cap's side is what I'm saying. And I don't remember how it plays out in the Civil War comic, but Peter's originally on Tony's side. 
and like Tony like really talks him into it, and he talks him into revealing his identity on TV as like part of like the superhero registration. Like here, come to the government and like sign up and tell us your identity. That's very interesting. And so like for he what they end up like, doing with Spider Man. Yeah, and like J. Jonah Jameson like passes out and stuff, and they ended up having to do like a god awful comic book arc to rectify the situation, which they kind of adapted to No Way Home, but they did it way better. And I think at some point, Peter ends up going over to Cap's side because he's like, this isn't working out. They start like, because in this, they throw everybody in the raft. In the comic, there's like another dimension called the negative zone. And they're sending all all the imprisoned superheroes to the negative zone. It's it's rough. I mean, that makes more sense because, again, like, why is the U.S. like holding them in like this prison if it's supposed to be like the U.N.? Right. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, and then alternatively, so we also get Clint coming back, which I was happy to see Clint. Um, I feel like Clint would have been more on Tony's side because Clint's always been like an agent for the government, kind of like Rhodey. And I think he would have been more like, why wouldn't we sign these accords? Like, you know, I, I just feel like, I mean, I like his whole thing with Wanda, so I'm not saying like, I don't like how they did it. I just am thinking of like how people would have. Yeah, I mean, I think so, but I also think at this point in the movie, like, at this point in, like, what's been happening in the world of the MCU... He wants his freedom. Well, yeah, he's not really doing it based on the Sokovia Accords. He's just seeing how Tony is treating the rest of the team. Yeah, that's true. And he's reacting to it. And that's, like, when he has that conversation with Tony in the raft, and he's like, you made the rest of the team into criminals. Like, they didn't do that. They were just doing what they would do otherwise. And so I think, like, obviously, when they approached him at first, he was like, just hands right. off about it. But now it's like, but he also fu- wants his freedom to be able to do that. Right. And I was like, yeah. Oh, you're fucking with my friends. So now like <laughs> it's more. My yeah. That, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good point. Okay. I know we're going long, but we'll be wrapping up the movie here. We'll hustle. We'll hustle. We're at the airport. Well, we have a weird kiss. I want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> no, we should talk about it. Um, I don't know what they were trying to do here because, one, it's weird because Sharon and Peggy are family and it feels like weirdly like incestuous even though it's not. Also, they just don't have much chemistry. No, it's just, mm, it's, not, it's not right. Like, Especially just, when you have Bucky right there. It's just like. Exactly. Like We know who he really wants. Um, <laughs> I but, think it's worth it for the reaction we get from Sam and Bucky. The reaction is very good. <laughs> I mean, and this like, the, um. The whole relationship between Sam and Bucky that gets expanded on in Falcon and the Winter Soldier is being set up here, which I think is really great. And them, like, not really getting along, but in a funny way, in, like, a buddy cop kind of way. And I know we went on a little tangent about, like, trailers, but one thing I wish that was also kind of a surprise, just as a character in general, is, like, Ant-Man. Like, part of me wishes, like, Ant-Man came out after this, even if it took place at the same exact time like it did, just because it's, like... How crazy would it have been if you're like being introduced to him in this? Ant Man's here. That would have been fucking crazy. Everyone would have been like, uh, "Who is this guy?" But it's, it, <laughs> instead, it was like, "Oh, we know him. Like this is fun." Yeah. Like, and then of course, like knowing that this scene is the subject of so much conflict in the second Ant Man movie is very funny to me. Um, with like Hope being pissed that she didn't get to be there, and Hank being mad that he brought the Ant Man suit and. At least he wasn't helping Tony. Oh, my God. We, we never would have heard the end of it. 
And I do like that we do get a Hank Pym name drop in this movie, which I did forget about. Um, we had mentioned At the that end, in, in yeah. Ant-Man, how he doesn't show up and talk to Tony, which I, maybe, you know, I would have taken a, we get like a snarky Tony being like, who are you again? But like, acknowledge Hank Pym, damn it. Your dad knew him. I think the Spider-Man banter is incredible. It's really good. It's really like good. Like his chatting or whatever. Like nervous energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is when uh, Tom Holland was cast, actually even before Tom Holland was cast, so many fan theories about like who the next Spider-Man would be because they knew that they weren't going to do another Andrew Garfield movie. And uh, one of the guys considered was uh, Asa Butterfield, who did, he was in Ender's Game, the movie, which was not very good. And then he, I think he was also in like, maybe like sex education or something. I might get that wrong. He's on a TV show at the time though. He was like 17 years old and everyone was like making jokes about how like tiny he would be. But I was like, no, this is like, they're finally getting the opportunity to like cast like a Spider-Man like in age. And like Tom Holland was like 19 when this came out, which is like still technically like a little bit too old. He's good. But it was, he looks young. It's kind of crazy because like everyone now is still talking about how Tom Holland's got the baby face and stuff, but you look noticeably different in this movie versus how he did in No Way Home. He looks really young in this. Like, yeah. especially they did his hair in the introductory scene. Yeah. But yeah, he's really good, and they got to showcase, like, his his, yeah, his quips and his style of fighting really well. And uh, even, like, the remarks from everybody else being, like, when Bucky's like, who the hell is that? And they're like, everyone's got a gimmick now. Which yeah. Which is great. Um, I hate seeing them all fight, Griff. Yeah, man. Like, I do too, but, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was so excited for this scene. I would be where, how, like, Nat and Clint are. They're like, this is just fun. It's just practice. And then Wanda's like, no, fuck. We got to fight. They're just LARPing. Like, yeah. Also, like. Wanda's like, kill her. Telling of Wanda once again. Yeah, stop fucking around, Clint. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot going on in this scene. Because there's kind of, like, two fights. There's They, like, start, like, scrapping initially. And then Vision, like, stops them and. Really, that sets off, like, the main event here. Um, well, like, and the roadie situation is rough. It's, like, horrifying. It is really. I think it's good that there's, like, real stakes to the fight. Um, and and honestly, I'm, like, so glad that it was, like, someone from his own team, that it wasn't one of the, like, it wasn't really Sam's fault, even though they, like, try and kind of blame Sam, like, it's not his fault at all. Vision made a mistake. Um, so like that, I'm like, thank God because like they wouldn't have been able to come back from that. No. Um, which you know obviously would make stakes in it of itself. Like, but no, I think it had to be this way. It made the most sense. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, it it kind of sucks to see everybody fight each other, but it's also like really fun to see them like use their abilities against each other and like getting like, it's like how we do the head to head. Right. I mean like getting like, um, you know, Ant-Man riding on Hawkeye's arrows, which is like straight out of the comics and like vision, like helping everybody like phasing in and out and Spider-Man like swinging around, like on like Iron Man and Rhodey. I mean, even like Spider-Man fighting cap is like great. Yeah. You get it's to like see, like, firsthand. And, like, we see, like, how, like, Cap realizing, like, how strong this guy is despite being a kid. Which, like, there's always people being, like, Captain America could have killed Peter when he dropped that thing on his head. Uh, like, the the walkway. It's like, he knows how strong he was. He he was, yeah. like, he couldn't he break the web. He was just fighting him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so as, as painful as it is to see the family fight, um, 
clearly they had a lot of fun like with these matchups and seeing right. who could do what. I was really worried that Bucky was going to kill Spider-Man. Like, obviously not really, <laughs> but I was like, Sam kept intervening in that fight. I was like, thank God, because like you don't want Bucky and Spider-Man to go uh, up. You don't want Bucky fighting any of them, and he actually stayed out of the fight for the most part. Yeah, I don't think he was interested in it at all. He's just running away. Well, from I Black mean, it was, was for him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we also have like T'Challa scratches the shield and yeah. that sticks around for a long time until I guess, uh, well, Tony like, either builds a new one or he does get it a out. New one. Um, what was I going to say though about like one of the particulars of this fight scene? I don't know if it was Spider-Man or someone else. The giant Ant-Man. Well, that is great too. Well, you, I know you don't like the locale. Yeah, I did. I bitched about that a little bit. I'm like, it's so drab, and it makes sense that like they evacuated the airport and they needed somewhere where they could like have this scrap and not get anybody. <laughs> we don't hurt. need any more consequences. But I'm like, it's just kind of like ugly. I, that's well, like, they needed plain so that they could do all the CGI I know. stuff. But it, it's a common criticism against the Russos movies is that like their cinematography is just kind of like plain. Like it doesn't have like a lot of style to it. And I do think that kind of shows in this scene. It's like you have like this like bombastic fight, but it comes across as kind of like visually. Cause it's not eh. supposed to be about where it is. It's right. supposed to be about them. I know. There was a, a deleted scene that I kind of forgot about. Um, that was in part of this fight. At some point, um, the shield gets like knocked out of Steve's hands. And then they do like this little bit where Bucky like picks it up and throws it to Sam while he's flying oh and he gosh. uses it. They should have kept that in. I know. I think How they, exciting. They had like some like corny dialogue afterward where Bucky's like, I gotta get me one of those or something, which they could have removed that. But I right. still think like acknowledging that thread of connection between them. Because even at this point in the they series, knew. people were talking about like who's gonna get the shield. Um I just think it would have been really cool. It's there if you want to watch it. The effects aren't done, so it looks really funny. But um, Yeah, I mean, I didn't really have much on the fight itself. I'm already at Winter Soldiers. Yeah, no, it's just, it's cool. We get some good moments. Like, we get to see T'Challa fight more, and he does, like, a cool spinning triple kick. But, yeah, I mean, they are, at the end of the day, it's just a, a mad dash because their helicopter got blown up, which I guess they were going to take a helicopter all the way out to... Siberia, which is kind of crazy. Clinton said I got a chopper. Yeah, but no. They got to go after the Quinjet. Of course. There's only one way to travel. Vision is a little scary, you know, in this scene. He's on the warpath. He he flies right through Scott. <laughs> which oh, is, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, uh, he knocks down that air traffic control tower. And I'm like, dude, I thought we were trying to minimize destruction. And you're just doing some shit like that? I mean, I know we've already blown up like three airplanes so we're right. we're past that point but he's just a he's a very he's very concerned and i would be quite he's frankly a formidable opponent i would be scared to go up against him but uh, not if i've got scarlet witch on my side that that is true and also uh luckily steve and bucky can run fast enough to get under it a lot again. of running lot like of you running. said um and this is also where black widow uh does a last minute change of sides classic which like classic double agent which tony really calls is. her out on later like <laughs> which i think is fair but i'm like man like t'challa must have been fucking pissed i don't i can't believe that he forgives her i mean obviously he forgives everything because he's like i was in the wrong too like but the perspective but in that moment he must have been like she's like teasing the shit out of him yeah, too. like four times 
Yikes. Big old yikes. And she's just like, I said I'd get you there, but I wouldn't help you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Wait, nah. read, read the fine print. Um, but yeah, as you already said, I'm glad they introduced and then killed the Winter Soldiers in one movie. And like, this wasn't a lingering thing. I mean, obviously it kind of is in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but. Well, they do such a good job of like the fact that they could be an imposing villain. Like Bucky's like, they are capable. Like we're nervous. Right. Like, and they could be a real threat, but like, you know that that's not what the movie is leading up to. Like that doesn't feel right because they've been focused so much on this inter-Avengers conflict. And so they lead you into this false sense of security in this one scene where it's like, we've just had this big spat, if you want to call it that. But then Tony, like Zemo intentionally reveals this dead body and it leads them into a false sense of like, oh, like it wasn't Bucky. Like we, we're we actually all like, we're forgive do, and like my bad, like we're doing the same thing. I mean, you have to stay in the raft, but like it's all good. But hey, like, yeah, like I was wrong. Like my bad. So like. I'm going to come to Siberia and I'm going to help you. Cause like, I like Tony's like kind of like, I made a mistake. It's not about the Sokovia Accords right now. It's just like on a personal level. Sorry for going Which after Bucky. I think is more important. That's more at this point when Steve. Absolutely. About. Like it's not, yeah, it's about Bucky's well being. Did they already have the raft ready to go? And to what end? Yeah, I, I, we don't know. I mean... It's wild. It comes out of the ocean. It is pretty crazy. I'm... I, I'm i going to... like in we my really In my headcanon, it's, it's already there yeah, for something but like, else. But, like, I don't know. Like, it could have been used for, like, a supervillain prison. <laughs> but they don't, they don't say that. And, and it never comes back, It's been mentioned. It? it has. Like, okay. um... Zemo gets sent back to the raft. Oh, okay. For some reason, the Wakandans send him to the raft instead of just taking him back to Wakanda. Um, Maybe the raft is in a more neutral location because it's just like in the middle of the ocean. It could be like international waters or something. You know, it's not quite as intense as the one in the Spider-Man video game, which is also like connected to Rikers Island, which seemed like a bad idea. Right, right. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a little intimidating looking. Those, yeah, those scenes with Tony, that is uncomfortable. And he's just, like, being so Tony. Like, you can tell that he, like, obviously feels bad, but he's like, but, like, now I want to be your friend and help um, Cap. Let me help, like, yeah. And it's rough. Also, I caught a line that I had never caught before. Sam says... Um, refers to Mark Furman from like the OJ, OJ and yeah. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I had never cut that line before, but that's a deep cut. Yeah, I mean, I this was like rough. a really good. It is rough, but it's a really good scene of just like making Tony like face the consequences of like this was like on paper, and I don't think he expected that any of these guys would have actually ended up in the raft. But now he's, like, there and, like, has to deal with, like, all of his former teammates, like, bitching him out. Right. You this could, is what they all said was going to happen. And he said was going to happen, but no one actually thought right, it would happen. Right. And now not only are they, like, behind bars, but they have to actually, like, confront this with each other head on. And I think it's very effective. And I think that's part of the reason why Tony is so willing to just, like, jump on a helicopter and go to where Cap and Bucky are because now he now he feels guilty about this. So he's like, I have to help again. Which he doesn't make great decisions out of guilt. No, he does not. I think they this would have all been better off like 
this was like one of like maybe the biggest like jumps that Zemo had to make is that by revealing that that was fake, that Tony would actually go to Siberia. Like he couldn't guarantee that Tony would be there. And if that was the case, none of this would have mattered because Stephen Bucky would have been like, we're never going to talk about this again. Yeah. Well, that's, I was going to say Zemo's plan is like Joker level execution. And like Black Panther is the Batman here and he's kind of above it all. Also, he's, I'm vengeance. Um, but he, I just feel like he's the one fucking up Zemo's whole plan here. Oh, yeah. Um, but well, what do you think about Sam's decision to tell Tony? I mean... I, it had to be done. It, it did. Because, like, I think, like, it was definitely, like, a hard spot for Sam because I obviously he didn't want to, like, give up to this, this information to, like... He can't really trust Tony anymore. But he does. But, but he, he kind of does. But he also doesn't want, like, I think he... He's worried some, about Steve. Right. He's, they're, like, walking into, like, basically they a, think a death trap. That it's full of the winter soldiers. Right. So, so yeah. I think Sam is like, all right, like, I'm not really... I'm not happy with you right now, but, like, I know that, like, they need backup. So, yeah, okay, whatever. that's true. And, like, Tony did make a good call by, like... He, he kept on the download. He didn't, he turned off the cameras and lied to Ross and stuff. But Ross like he looks says, so fucking evil in this. He's like got that black like yeah. jacket on and his hair is all weird. Like he's like, I think wearing a wig. It's, I think so. But um, no, he's, he's really good in it. I mean, and I, I kind of forget that like, he's so he's effective in this and he shows up again in infinity war and um, black widow. And I kind of forget that we hadn't seen him in the MCU since the incredible Hulk. Um, so it was cool that they brought him back. Oh, I forgot. We do reckon with Sokovia Accords in Infinity War. Yeah, briefly. Yeah. Like, to the point where <laughs> Cap shows up and he's like, fuck, fuck them and they don't matter anymore. Yeah. Well, no, just like Stark being like, this is your fault, Ross, which I'm like, well, it's your fault, Tony, actually. Um, yeah. but, um <laughs> anyway. Um, I had a question. Oh, how is this filmed? I'm back in the other Winter Soldier prison. Why was that scene with the car filmed, like, in the first place? Like, why is there a camera on it? Um, is it supposed to be, like, right outside their house and it's, like, a security I'm imagining camera? the Starks have, like, a huge estate. Yeah. And so that's, like, a very long driveway and they would have security cameras. Okay. So... That's why explanation is a little weird. It's in the middle of the woods. And it's also super dumb that Bucky wouldn't have taken out the camera first. Right. Rookie mistake by the professional assassin, I guess. But he does get the tape because, like, Tony's never seen it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Slightly unclear. I don't know why uh, Hydra, like, saved that footage. That's all a little contrived. But, again, as we said earlier, brilliant callback. We're not callback, but, like, Reveal bringing it's it all reveal. together, it's, yeah. It's like, oh, we've seen this before, but like, why? What's the reason for Zemo showing it to the team now? And it's man, like, we are the Winter Soldiers are dead, like, it's, it's not good. And like, Zemo just like having like the satisfaction being like, oh, like, I just fucking pulled this off, and then like, yeah. skulking into the shadows and letting it speak for itself. And, and like, like, their deaths are so bad, oh, yeah, like. Getting punched and choked to death, like, like they and they're like very aware of what's happening. It Ugh, is horrible. It is rough. Like, it's it's the point where it's like this is the only part of the movie where I understand Tony, because like it doesn't nothing else that happened in the movie matters anymore. Like none of this stuff about 
like, oh, it wasn't Bucky that did the bombing. Oh, like, the Sokovia Accords. Like, that's all out the window in this moment. This is just, like, pure, like, retribution. Vengeance. And it, it does not matter that it, like, wasn't Bucky. Right, like, that's what, it, yeah, I was like, saying Because it's, like, it's, like, that's Bucky on the camera doing that, and Bucky's right here. It doesn't matter. And if he doesn't understand the brain. Right, like, Steve he's tries to say it. it. Like, it was Hydra, but, like, he doesn't have any reason to believe that or care. You like, just, I do think that it would have changed things a little bit had he seen how Zemo controlled Bucky before. But, but I still think that, like, in that moment, like, you're in the room with the person that killed your parents. Like, yeah, Tony's not going to be able to control that, period. And, like, I think that Sebastian Stan, I don't know if he gets enough credit for, like, his acting in these, but, like, he does so little, which does so much. Like, he doesn't really respond directly because, like, there's nothing to say. Like He just, like, looks extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, and then one of the great lines that he says is, like, I remember all of them. And yeah. Which begs the question of, like, how the whole brainwashing memory thing works, because earlier he says, like, what happened. Like, so I have some questions about that, but it's a great line. I can uh, maybe also headcanon that Hydra has a very specific form of brainwashing where they just wipe everything except for the stuff that they want him to remember. Because I guess they want him to remember how he killed people so he could do it again. Yeah, because he's, like, always learning. Also, he, like, remembers all the languages and stuff right, like that. Right, but like, not... If he if he mentions anything about Steve... Then right, like, right. There's some questions about the whole memory thing. But, um, yeah, I remember all of them is tough. Yeah. I mean, man, it's just... this This whole fight is just... Whew. like the most like savage that they're getting. Like they're going like Bucky. I don't know if Bucky's trying to kill Tony. I think he's just defending himself, but like, I don't think he's trying but, to kill Tony. Tony is 100% he's trying no to, kill, to Bucky. kill Tony. Yeah. yeah. But like, other than I guess that he's trying to kill him, but right. Like I guess if it came to that, which fortunately but Bucky's did. like said earlier, like I'm not trying to kill anyone. Like, right. And I think that he means that. Yeah. But I think he's, He's probably just like, fuck. Because I think if Bucky wanted to, he could have. Oh, absolutely. Right then and there. Oh, yeah. Like, he could have done it. Like, no problem. Um, And do you think at this point, Tony is aware that, like, this was all a manipulation? That he's acting exactly how they want, how Zemo wanted him to act? I don't know. Because, like, you know, I don't know how... Like, I don't think he's put all the pieces together like Steve has. No, I don't think so, because he hasn't been, like, directly involved in it. Like, yeah, Steve's been able to pick up a bit more, like, on the clues that's been left, or, like, he's on to the fact that, like, the series of events is not coincidental. But, yeah, Tony's been so involved with, like, the political proceedings. Tony has played his part perfectly. Right, and, like, so I don't think so, and I think even if he did it, he wouldn't care. He would be like, yeah, I've been brought here, but, like, like I don't, I don't think he would, like, fully grasp, like, the the reasons why like him <laughs> getting in this fight would be so bad. Like the repercussions outside of this immediate moment. I know. I mean, like, I think you're right that like, of course he's going to act this way, but it's just like so frustrating. Cause I'm like, you're so predictable and like, you have no control over your emotions. Like, yes, this person did like a horrible thing, but like, even people that have horrible things happen to them, they don't go into, I'm going to now murder this person. Like, even if they're, like, faced with that, like... Yeah, it's it, just, I mean, it's 
it's just that like, like Tony he Stark's, does need to be checked. Right. Like <laughs> Tony's insecurities about his parents and his dad specifically are like public knowledge because he talks about it so much. And Zemo knew that he could prey on that. Of course. And yeah. like Tony Stark is just like, yeah, like I don't nothing else matters. Like he killed my mom. Right. And like Zemo knows that like once that's like out of the bag, then nothing there's no rational thought that's going to like convince Tony that this is a bad idea until like he's literally like incapacitated. Yeah, and I think in most of the movies and TV shows that we've been getting, we have gotten to see everyone's kind of breaking point. Like, we get to see that with Wanda, with Doctor Strange, with Spider-Man. Like, we don't really get to see that as much with Cap. Like, he's kind of more evolved, I guess. And, like, same with, like, Black Panther. He's, like, kind of above it. But they do kind of establish these like breaking points with like a lot of characters which is interesting yeah i guess steve's is more like not his emotional breaking point but like maybe more of like how he approaches like his role as captain america which is like this was enough for him to like walk away from it yeah and i guess like end game is like kind of his breaking point like yeah. when he just like is leading those groups and it's God, it is tough. Endgame is tough. Really, I'm like is. not ready for that. But I mean, yeah, you're you're right. Like we don't ever see him go like full like Ronin on anybody. Yeah. But oh he, yeah. He okay. goes on his own journey for sure. And I'm assuming that like in the time that we don't see him, whether that's like uh, mid snap, like when he's doing stuff, or like in the time between Civil War and Infinity War, where we see him show up again. Like, he's been going through some shit and maybe doing some stuff that he wouldn't have done uh, in his official role as Captain America. Maybe. Maybe. It's, that's, a, that's a strong maybe, because I, I, I don't really think he would do anything, like, crazy, but you never know. Um, yeah, so we, we end with him throwing his shield back at him. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't need this. He, I know who I am. I have my self-identity. He abandons the mantle. Yeah, I mean, kind of crazy, and Tony gets to be like, my dad built that, like, you don't deserve it, and Steve's like, fuck it, yeah, I guess. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, I like to talk about themes of movies, and I think this, there's a lot of identity in this, and, like, who I am outside of this group, how, who I am as an individual, and I don't think it's, like, that heavy-handed, but, I mean, it is... You know, as you said at the end of the day, a Captain America movie, and it's him like staying true to his identity. I guess it's almost mirroring like the not really, but uh, at the end of Iron Man three, which I know was like we talked about how that wasn't really carried upon lessons wise, but Tony being like, you can take away my suit, but at the end of the day, like I'm still Iron Man. So this is like Captain America being like, I don't need my shield. Like he's he's already like ripped. I don't the, need to be Captain America. Like he's ripped yeah. the Avengers patches off of his suit by the end of the movie. Like I don't need this mantle. Like I'm just I know who I am, and I'm not gonna yeah. like I'm not gonna sacrifice like my morals for like this team or like, even for my country. Yeah, Which, and it's Bucky also like knowing who he is or like trying to stay true to who he is. Right. Uh, shedding that other identity, and then iron man like doesn't know his identity like he doesn't have a strong sense of who he is no because his guilt gets in the exactly, way too much he yeah. can't handle it um he needs to go to a real therapist and not bruce banner <laughs> um yeah so i for me this movie is like better on a rewatch 
than it was the first time I saw it. And like just obviously picking up so much more stuff. I guess I think I liked it more than you upon first rewatch. I guess I didn't have as much of a qualm with uh, <laughs> with everybody infighting. Yeah, it wasn't like, I never thought it was like a bad movie. It's just like personally not what I wanted from a superhero movie, but I have really grown to love it on right. a rewatch. And I, I mean, I think that like in the same way that some people talk about uh, Age of Ultron, being made better by the additional context that we have afterward, this functions in the same way. Like we have more Zemo, we have more Sam, more Bucky, more Wanda and vision. It's just like, this is the impetus for so many of their plots going forward that it just gives you so much more, like there's more meat to this story now that you know where everything goes. Yeah. And like before rewatching it for this, I didn't really think that much about their character plots in this. Yeah. But it's like, they, it's all good. Like we said earlier, like, they did so much with this movie that it's a wonder that they they juggled so many characters, did them all justice, still managed to make it feel like a Captain America movie and introduced two new characters, right, new characters and provided like a good launching pad because like Kevin Feige was like, we did this movie in part so the Avengers wouldn't be together for Infinity War, which is so yeah. important. This movie broke so that Infinity War could fly. Something like that. Yeah, too true. Um, we are going very long, so let's. This this podcast is almost as long as the movie. <laughs> Goddamn, which this was the longest movie until Infinity War and Endgame came out. Fun fact. Um, we get post credit scene of Spider Man, and then what was the other one? Uh, Wakanda, uh, oh, Bucky right. and Wakanda. Yeah. Which obviously that that pays off a little bit at the end of Black Panther. Really cool setups in both ways. Uh, we get the Spider Man will return tag. Obviously, I don't think most people thought that he would be returning in like a year after this movie yeah. came out, which is awesome. So, um, you know, hope you enjoyed the chat. If you did, let us know via a five-star review. Yeah. And, um, and until then. We are out, out of, of the, the Superverse. superverse.